0: we
1: To episode 131 of Zapped to the Past. I am Adrian Mills and I'm joined as always by Mr. Graham Raddings. If you have not listened before, this is a podcast where we discuss games that were released for the Commodore 64. We're using the magazine Zap64 as a monthly guide for the games to focus on, but we are in no way affiliated with Zap64 itself. This week, we start our look at September 1989 and the first batch of games reviewed in issue 53 of Zap64, along with what was also going on in the UK Singles and Albums chart that month. Graham, the games are getting fewer, but is the quality getting higher? Please inform us. Welcome, Watchers of Illusion, to the Castle of Confusion. In this exciting,
2: fun-packed episode where we shout directional commands at someone to put bread in a bag, We go into yellow bird mode and head on a quest to rescue a bunch of our cute Kiwi friends from the clutches of an angry walrus. Yep, it can only be the C64 version of the New Zealand story. We also see exactly how many crap C64 developers it takes to ruin an Oscar-winning animation franchise in Tom and Jerry, Hunting High and Low, and then get our gang of phonetically named operatives together to storm an embassy and rescue some folk in the sneak-and-seek game hostages. Before we shout caution team and encourage someone to hold up a lamp of remembering to ward off a giant toad, we also tune up our engines get our co-pilot in the passenger seats and head out for some micro car dirt racing in the nifty but miles per gallon challenged Rally Cross simulator. We time travel to 1984 and the potentially IP infringing world of the armed vehicular helicopter vigilante in the pre-elite game Blue Thunder before finally exploring the deep science fiction marketing spin and lofty claims of yet another shoot em up in the déjà vu strewn dominator, at least one of these games is making grand claims about being a whole new game genre, and one is a fork in the eye of classic animation. I didn't even know rubbish nonsense was a genre type, but it is. There's always hope. There's, There's always.
1: always hope. There's always hope. Don't know if that's the same thing I said last month. It probably is. I can't remember. We these say days. It every month. <laughs> <laughs> Sit <Yeah>. Every time, <laughs> it just put me on loop. Just insert, insert it for bits. Hello and welcome to episode one hundred. T- yeah, yes. In this that.
2: episode, we hope the games are better than in the previous <laughs> episode or other.
1: Yeah. how Have you been anyway? You been all right? Yeah, all functional. Yeah, busy, busy. It's always busy. It's always busy with podcast and work. It's busy. Well, busy it's the busy. run up to Christmas
2: time now, isn't it? So it's been busy with Christmas yeah. things. Christmas, we're still on the on the countdown now, really officially. Um, we are.
1: We are not much. Yeah, got, I've got two big birthdays coming up. Three, actually, three big birthdays for Christmas. What yours? You've only you were only born once. Don't try and claim three. <laughs> you claimer. No, I've got I've got my brother, my partner, and my son all before. Christmas. Oh,
2: that's, they're all the same person, though.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, obviously they are. Yeah, it's like uh, you know, it's the it's the alternative uh, trinity for Christmas: the brother, the partner, and the holy son. <laughs>
2: Yes, well, if they're all December's, you see, that's what happens. Do no, two in November, so
1: one in December. Ah, oh, okay, okay, that's not. So but they're all between now and Christmas. That's the thing. No, yeah, just get the them thing. little things. Obviously, Christmas presents are different, but yeah, true, true. Just getting little things. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> watch the disappointment in their face. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> that's the real joy of giving presents is to see how much they don't like it. What have you got me this year? A pack of
2: cards, some kind of metal puzzle, and a... did you just open the Christmas crackers?
1: No, (laughs) no, snap. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, uh, right. Before we go any further, Graham, we've got to look at a cover. We have, yes. The old cover coveroo, yes. It is. This is Zap C64 Amiga, SU number 53, twenty five US dollars, $4.50. They stopped selling it in Germany. Obviously, it must have stopped oh. a while back because they no longer have the German price on there. Oh, yes. US. I didn't know they sold this in the US, but they do. Yeah, they do. Did, but um, now done. what do we think of this cover? It's the Untouchables, the game that's not in the magazine. <laughs> the Untouchables part, it's Okay. Okay, uh,
2: the rest of it is a bit of a text-ridden nightmare mishmash. Yeah, that doesn't quite
1: work. <laughs> it's yeah, it's a bit all over the place, isn't it? So the top half of this is the is is like a what is it? it's kind of a very yellow and black and um, goldy coloured sort of untouchables pastiche or not not it's not the but, film. So what's the
2: colour sepia, isn't it? It's meant to be a
1: sepia variant, I think. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, sepia. It's not the film. That's not, not Kevin quite. Costner. That's not that's <laughs> not Sean, Sean Connery. That's not him with no. the glasses, and that's not Andy. What's his face?
2: No, that's definitely not um, Andy. What's his face? Is that? It's not. Is it? Seen Canary though?
1: It could be. Is uh... <laughs> it? Is his it? Is, is, is non? Uh, union Welsh? Uh, <laughs> Welsh alternative. Seen Canary. It's, uh, <laughs> it's. It's. It's, it's cabin, cabin Bosner. Yeah, and I'm not sure. Andy Garcia. I could be wrong. It's not Andy
2: Garcia. And it's not. And the weapons that they're shooting, I'm pretty sure they're not. Prohibition-era weapons, but what do I know? No.
1: I don't know. There's a shotgun. I don't know about those pistols. There's, one, there's a revolver pistol, but I'm not sure about well, two of the on the, the,
2: one, the one at the back's got a, um, an automatic, which I'm not <laughs> sure they had those. <laughs> no. This is the era of the Tommy gun.
1: Yeah. Revolvers, <laughs> Tommy guns, and shotguns, really, wasn't it? Yeah.
2: yeah. Uh, so an automatic, semi-automatic pistol, an automatic pistol, you know, a Beretta you know, he's time-travelled,
1: that one. <laughs> <laughs> well, it could very well have done. Uh, yeah. But this is... Uh, Untouchables don't actually get reviewed for two months yet. It's in November. Is it a preview, then? I guess it must be a preview. Yeah, it is a preview. Yeah. I mean, yeah. New Zealand Story, they've got Licence to Kill, Rainbow Island's in this... I think there's plenty of opportunity to have it to have done a big... I mean, I would have liked to have seen Rainbow Island's and New Zealand Story as the cover. I think they those two yeah. games would have, been, would have made a good double bill of happy cheeriness. Well, even Licence to Kill could have been something...
2: The thing is, I think what there is is, I think, and this is something that I've noticed since it became C64 Amiga, there's too much to try and review. So the covers have just become a bit nothing because they've just got so much text and so much varying iconography from all the different games that are inside. I mean, look how many games are mentioned on that cover. No wonder that the covers become a bit of a mishmash and tonally, it's a bit, it's just a bit nothing really. I mean, I know it's untouchables, but is it though?
1: (laughs) Yes. I, mean, I get it. I mean, it is. It is, but it's just. It's still, it shouldn't be. Give it two months. Don't you can have yeah. your untouchables? You've done your Batman yeah. cover. But then we had Batman last month, didn't we? And that wasn't. Yeah. That's not till November either.
2: And I'd get the feeling that Ocean may have sponsored that cover with the.
1: <laughs> Ocean's coming mega hits.
2: <laughs> yeah, and the you know Ocean's big screen entertainment. Ocean's coming mega hits. Ocean, Ocean, Ocean. Did we mention Ocean? <laughs>
1: Yeah, they, <laughs> they could. They could very well have done. I'm not sure. I like the crazy kiwis K64 Carnage either.
2: No, it's a bit. I mean, that's the only ocean game they haven't mentioned is by ocean. Ironically, <laughs> yeah, that's true. Is
1: that by ocean? Oh yeah, it is. Oh sorry. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, okay. yeah. I, and I don't. I don't like. I mean, you've got obviously Rainbow Islands down the bottom and New Zealand story against the dark grittiness at the top. I don't think it's yeah, a good it doesn't combo. Work. No, you look you look up. You've
2: got you know four angry men in sepia clearly blasting away pistols at people below that hey cutesy cutesy character it doesn't work it's totally odds with each other it's wrong yeah it's a bit wrong it's a bit wrong i like it sorry i don't that's well drawn but uh...
1: (laughs) but not for us not for us no
2: it's just i just don't i think that they're losing their way with these covers because they don't know what to put on the cover and there's no one c64 game to rule them all it's just it's such a mishmash it's like which one do we pick is it amiga is it c64 you know they're putting games on the covers now that aren't even reviewed it's like i know they've done that before but this is on it to a whole new level yeah we're
1: getting that quite a lot these days Yep. yep yeah anyway there we go that's the cover um, yeah. With that out of the way, should we move into some games? I think we hey, should. Let's do it. I think, we should. I think we should. Let's get into our first game then. And Graham, that one's over to you. We've mentioned it. It was small on the cover, but tell us all about... The New Zealand story. Well,
2: New Zealand story is a arcade conversion from Ocean, which is quite interesting, isn't it? The
1: Ocean, um, did this you say? I didn't
2: know. Ocean. Oh, did you not know? No, Ocean, just in case you didn't get the Ocean vibes. Yeah, Ocean. 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 It was. It's copyright potato. Potato! Um, they made the arcade, <laughs> they did, in, in uh, 1988. And in Japan, Game Machine listed the New Zealand story on their November 15th, 1988 issue as being the ninth most successful table arcade in of the month.
1: Ninth, yeah, It's in the top ten.
2: This <laughs> is in the top ten. So this is the conversion then for the C sixty four nine pounds ninety nine for it is something. It's a sizzler as well, and it scored ninety three percent in Zap. Um, okay, yeah, all right, let's see. Let's see what's going on. Coded by Richard Palmer. He coded Daily Thompson's Olympic Challenge in Wet Oh, yeah, he did. He did them, he did. Graphics are by Stephen Wahid. Now, he's been around a while, any of the old Wahid. He um, has. He did Green Beret, Rambo, Yeah Kung Fu. He's done loads of them. Loads. Done loads. loads. Yeah. Musician for this one is Jonathan Dunn. Obviously, he's been around a while as well. Platoon, Operation Wolf, Robocop, that kind of thing. So the film, you know, it's a pretty you know strong cast of people behind the making
1: of, really, isn't it? It's an ocean stalwart, should we say.
2: It is. It's it's actually a very simple story to New Zealand story, the story of New Zealand story. Uh, New Zealand is a peaceful place to live if you're a Kiwi, particularly in the Auckland Zoo. Tiki is as happy as can be. Trouble turns up in the guise of a psychotic walrus who has an enormous appetite for fresh (laughs) Kiwi and kidnaps Tiki and his relatives to stock the larder. The walrus hides his captives around the island in 20 hazardous locations, but our hero escapes and sets about rescuing his buddies. Straightforward stuff. So as Mm. far as the gameplay is concerned, you control Tiki the Kiwi in search for the release of his kidnapped friends. And you get all this from the intro in the game as well. Initially, you are armed with just a bow and arrow. I never got bow and arrow from that, but okay. But occasionally, when you kill an enemy, they may drop an item which you can retrieve and use yourself. There are many different types of items which you would discover for yourself, but they vary from extra weapons to temporary invulnerability pills. The best kind of pills for this kind Mm. of thing. Kiwis cannot fly, and you are no exception. Do not try to imitate them. No, I added that bit. That's not really in there. Um, However, you can get around this by knocking shooting creatures off their balloons, which you can then commandeer and take to the sky. Surprisingly, Kiwis cannot breathe underwater either, so you must be careful if you go swimming. Mm -hmm. Your oxygen level is shown on screen to make sure you don't drown. Shooting water from your mouth replenishes oxygen and can be used to, it says, used to pot your adversaries. I'm not sure what that means in the the blurb. This is a rewritten version, so that might not be quite right. Mm. In the early levels, you will be shown arrows in the background, which indicate the direction you must go to release the captive kiwi on that level, but beware. On certain stages, releasing your friend alerts the big guardian creature of that level, and you must find a way of defeating it before progressing to the next level. And there's a little hint there, you must allow yourself to be swallowed by the whale, so you can destroy him from the inside. Jonah
1: style. Mm.
2: Nice. Because the various layers of the walrus are so well-guarded, we cannot brief you further. Your techniques will develop as you play the game, and each new level presents new, frantic, and more original challenges. And then there's a little note that says, make sure you do not waste time sightseeing, as you have a limited period to complete each level.
1: Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay,
2: thanks. Pretty really straightforward arcade stuff. This is perhaps a little bit more blur arc for the arcade, but that's essentially the same story. And what we've got really here is a, is a side-scrolling platformer. Mm-hmm. I suppose very much in the kind of Super Mario mold. Now, I don't know whether, you know, which came first, the kiwi or the egg situation, but either way, it's that, you know, whether it came first or Mario came first, I don't know in the great scheme of things arcade wise, but it looks like Mario. So it's kind of got that vibe, you know, small characters jumping around platforms doing stuff. So this vibe, it's not quite let the right to left, left to right notion of Mario, but it's on that kind of vibe. It's a platform game. Mm-hmm. Um, there are oddly numerous arcade variations of this. And there's loads, I mean, this game is out on pretty much everything, everything there's ever been. Everything there was ever will be, there is a version of this <laughs> game on it. Indeed, the arcade version was released on the PlayStation 4 and Nintendo Switch in January 2023 as part of Hamster's Arcade Archives. Good old Hamster. So it's on everything. There's a version mm-hmm. of this on everything. And the, I think there's at least four variations of the arcade. So lots of variations, generally meaning in terms of the arcade, slight adjustments to the level designs, the enemy types, some of the game mechanics. Uh, and the game has some, I suppose you'd call it longevity because of the, I don't know if the game has been around this long and this many versions, it must be, there must be something about it. Right. Mm-hmm. It must be. So you'll start the game and you'll get a cute and okay loading screen. It's okay. Uh, then it moves on to an okay title screen you know nothing terrible music was good decent representation of the arcade i thought very tween forgettable so it's pretty much exactly like the arcade it's very very similar in fact if anything it's probably one of the better versions of the sound of the arcade out of all the different versions mm-hmm. the usual credits appear and such did the game logo need to be on a blue background on the c64 it's really weird it's like on a kind of giant blue block i don't know if that's a freak of the crack or something like that but um, it just seemed a bit odd that it was on a giant sort of blue square at the top anyway we may never know the answer to that. You start the game and what you get is a, really is a reasonable C64-based representation of the arcade. At the top, you have the current score, radar of the level, which appears, a little guide to where you are, number of Kiwis that you have left, high score, there's credits instead of lives, which is a nice touch, a little hint to the arcade. I, I like it when they do things like that. It mm-hmm. gives it a bit more authenticity. And across the remaining time, the rest is all game. So about three quarters of the screen say was we'll make, make comprises the game the Pretty graphics right. are akin to the arcade and um, with your tiki the kiwi sprite being quite i think quite quite nicely realized in that kind of high res overlay that we've seen done through many and many ocean games before Mm -hmm. background details are all here too obviously limited by the c64's color palette and such but they don't do a bad job of representing the levels they look okay just a bit busy Uh, and they function Mm. and are essentially the same design as the arcade and they're kind of in the same places so that's not so bad as is the model for this kind of game the screen scrolls around as you jump up and dive about the various platforms on your quest is a little bit of a juddery skull. It's not super smooth, but that's actually the same in every version, including the arcade. So it's not like it's a smooth smooth. It's just it's I don't know, it's not super it's not super juddery or anything. It's just not smooth. It's not butter
1: smooth. It's not you
2: know, <laughs> it's, lubrication yeah, it's, smooth.
1: It's, it's, it's crunchy peanut butter smooth rather than yeah, smooth crunchy yeah, peanut it is. butter.
2: Yeah, I think it's but it's not it's not it's not distracting, it's just you know. I mean, everyone likes
1: crunchy peanut butter. Yeah.
2: And it's it's in every version. So it's obviously, you know, they've converted it to every version anyway. So it scrolls around as you jump and you dive around the various platforms on your quest to find your kidnapped friend. You remain mostly central, the screen scrolling around you, which I thought was okay. So it, you mm-hmm. don't, it's not push scroll where you're sort of pushing yourself off the screen and running into things too far to the left or right. Mm-hmm. control with the joystick left right and up to jump fire to shoot and when you're on a balloon left right to move around etc so you quickly get the idea of how it controls very old school arcade at the end of the day the enemy sprites are not as well realized as the main sprite i think it's fair to say they're very medium res and as such their colors tend to make them blend in with the busy backgrounds some yeah. of the initial levels have a kind of brown brick detail and the snail like creatures yes they do look like something else do sort of merge with the scenery add to that they will shoot at you and those bullets will quickly lose it, get lost in, you'll lose a life and they get lost in the scenery somewhat. So that, there is some detail about that that is a little bit disappointing in that if they'd have kept the graphic touches consistent, this would have been really, really crazy good. But unfortunately, they didn't. So and mm. I guess that's a compromise with the C64. And we'll come to a little bit of that in a minute. As in the arcade, you can actually touch the enemies you, as you jump around. So you can touch them. They don't kill you on contact, but their bullets do. And there's some of the scenery does, which is quite a nice touch, actually. That's straight out of the arcade. The arcade plays, every version plays that way. So if you jump up, up through the platforms, which you can do to jump up and land on them, if there's an enemy there, jumping up and touching that enemy won't instantly kill you. So it just doesn't do that. But they will do that if you sort of hang about out on their throat and stab you and shoot at you and do that sort of right. thing. So that's quite interesting touch. So there are some scenery spikes and things a little bit in there. There is some a little bit of that. And it's often difficult to know whether they're going to harm you or not. Not clearly, very clearly yeah. indicated, yeah. which is a little bit of a mistake in this. But that's the same as the arcade. The arcade has that, but it's a bit more obvious in the arcade because the background isn't quite so eye-wateringly sort of blendy. Yes. And then of course, periodically there's some enemies that will appear out of like window door things that appear. Now these are clumsy animated and they appear really clumsy on the C sixty four. They're meant to be sort of I guess sort of they sort of beam into sort of various areas and then they unleash like a balloon creature, but the creature that sat in a balloon. Now they look quite neat and tidy in most of the other versions. C sixty four, one these gigantic blocky things appear and this <laughs> yeah. sort of things hoy into view, and it's just felt a little bit slapdash like some of those. Some weird. of the details of the game feel a bit slapdash like that. But it's, I suppose it's all you know. You can get once you shoot the enemy off that, you can jump on that balloon and fly around, which is exactly as you can in the arcade, and you've got free pretty much free reign of the screen when you do that as well. Mm. So it's not yeah. like you're restricted. So that again, that's straight out of the arcade. And I have to say, this, that's, there's an impressive adherence to the arcade, even though you can see where they've had to compromise things. So the early levels have some arrows to guide you, as I already said, and they, the idea is that they guide you around this to where you'll find your kidnapped in cage compadre. Only in the C64 version, and it's the only version that does this, they're not there, they're not in the cage. They appear when you touch the cage. So sort I of go, hello! Yeah. <laughs> like, why? Why are the, every other version, Every even the Amstrad Spectra, every version has your compadres in the cage, and then you go to the cage, which now are granted the Amstrad version, they don't look quite like kiwis when they appear the are kind of giant <laughs> yellow splats with what might be a beak but at least they're inside the cages like they are in the other versions the 64 one it's really weird it's a really strange detail that they're not in there but okay it is what it is so when you do fly to that you'll touch the empty, you'll touch the empty cage the bird will appear and go thank you, you know, hello and then it's on to the next level and so it goes on hmm. now i don't know why that bird's cage is empty it did throw me a bit that anyway there's five stages to this with four timed levels in each stage. And at the end of each fourth level, there is an end of level boss killed in the way these things usually are, of course, jumping and shooting and figuring it out on the fly. The bosses are actually pretty big in this, it has to be said, and mm. quite impressive. Although you'll um, obviously you'll face the final walrus at the end. And indeed there is an actual ending to the game too. I don't believe it's a walrus in the arcade. <laughs> I think that's an ocean thing. I think ocean of Made it into walrus. I think it's got another kind of designation. I, don't, I mean, it looks walrusy, but I'm pretty sure it's not a walrus. I think it's uh, some other creature, but anyway, it's a walrus for, for ocean. They just decided it's a walrus, whatever. A
1: walrus from the ocean.
2: Aye. So what we've got then, really, after all of that, so that's how you play the game. at all those levels, the idea is you get to the walrus, release all your compadres. The final one you release will see you get into the final battle with the walrus, and when you do that, Hey, you won. It's a long way to go. And I tell you what, these levels some of these levels start off short. Later into the game, the levels are long because they're more like a maze and you've got to really try and navigate and find your way around. And that's actually very, very difficult to do in these games. The difficulty goes from being quite cute to being insane on this game very quickly. So by the time you're going through the first few stages, you just think, oh, this is all right. Don't get used to that. (laughs) As soon as you're in the next one, into the caves, you will know pain. (laughs) Um, So what we've got is a C64 conversion that captures pretty much most of the arcade sentiment as more often than not okay graphics a tad busy backgrounds for the eye later on but the whole game is here including the bosses and the end all the music is a direct version of the arcade and I well I say that the music is a shortened version of the arcade. So yeah. it's a bit on a bit of a tighter loop, which you know, depending on how you feel about tight loops can get you, you know, either be okay or it can do soon or later. It just depends. Um, but there's a little bit of a jingle for everything like in an arcade. So it's got all of that, which is quite nice. And it's all in a single load, which is pretty yeah. impressive actually. I mean, that mm-hmm. in of itself is quite impressive. This thing's to be applauded as well. When you think about it, this is a good go at the arcade. It has the scrolling level design, even the larger levels here and the enemies. It's all packed in there. There's some issues, of course, that go with that. As is often the case, the sprite multiplexer, which is doing a lot of stuff here, to be fair, clearly starts to struggle, which can and does cause glitches, twitches, and that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Weird frozen enemies will appear that get stuck on platforms and don't move bullets that pass through things or bullets that don't kill anybody. There's all sorts of little weird glitches and things like that that occur. They can and do happen and can and will cause you issues as you play through. There's no way around that. I guess it's a limitation of eight sprites and a C64 with 64K and a CPU and VIC chip. I guess it's just limitations. You know, it's not an arcade. It's not three Z80s or whatever's in the original arcade. Also, the level graphics, I think eventually get really hard on the eye, especially in those cave levels. I mean, it's bad enough that it's tiled brick, which after a while it makes your eyes go, <laughs> and there's quite tiny bricks as well. But in the caves and in later levels, they, there's just a repeat, a very tight repeated pattern, which yeah. doesn't lend itself to lots of jerky, slightly jerky movement. So I know that we said it's not smooth scrolling and that's okay. But you know, if you um, amplify that with tiny brick patterns, you know, my 50-year-old eyes were starting to go, hey, 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 <laughs> um, But you know what? Maybe you know, the back large. <laughs> it was a bit like that. So I think they were a bit hard on the eye. Um, and I get the I get the predilection for brick and tile based backgrounds as a memory saver. I mean, it's obvious why they've done it because it's, mm. you know, it's a good yeah, yeah. way of do, doing that. Okay, fair enough. But on top of that sort of, you know, eye stretching, eye breaking things, some of the enemy sprites do get lost in that. That's a problem. Yeah. And then when you combine that with the flickering and everything else and the, and the sort of the twitching and the multiplexer start to lose its mind, it all gets a bit trying on the patience in the eyes at certain points. And I can tell you something, at least two of those levels have a really short time frame on them as well. Two or three of them, in fact. And that's really something, that's something really odd. It seems inherited for other 8 bit versions because when I did a check on the others, a lot of them have really tight timelines for the levels, especially the Amstrad version. So chances are on a couple of those levels, there's no way you're going to get through them without losing a life because if you don't, if you run out of time, you lose a life. So Mm. I don't think there's a way of getting through them now. You can gain extra lives in this because you can collect letters and it spells out a word. I forget what the word is now, um, but it spells out a word. And if you got all the letters, well, you get an extra life. So, okay, you can do that. Um, I think it's extend. I think the word is you collect because some of the enemies obviously drop stuff. And like I said before, the music is mainly here, but it is sh- it is that shortened version. So I suppose the question is really, you know, is there enough of the arcade here to give it a good, good playability and ha- or has there been too much compromise with the visual detail and some of that, which has been lost in the process of conversion, which has made it so that it's it's a good conversion, but this, is it going to be a bit... Are you going to get through without having a seizure or a really bad headache? I don't know. The core game's there. So maybe it's a tad empty. Maybe, maybe there is that. I got the impression it was... They, they've tried to align it as much as they could to the arcade. They've clearly played and been through the arcade a few times to get it this accurate. And it is, of course, a lot more blocky. It's on a Commodore 64. Let's accept that. Does that quality spoil the game? I think the main thing that is here is that Cuteness aside, this was always a pretty flat Super Mario-type game anyway. The searching aspects and floating on balloons or climbing the back of a goose, is, I suppose it's good. And it's all there. And if that was as close as you could get to the arcade, then at the time, then maybe that's not bad. But those mini issues around the level times, the eye melting background tiles, and the blockiness for the enemies, and that compromise that you have for it being on the C sixty four, well, I don't know. You've got to make a decision, haven't you? Whether that's going to be the thing you remember and think, oh, I don't know if I play this game because of that, or whether you think actually this isn't a bad conversion. I'm actually opting for the. I don't think this is a bad conversion at all. I think mm-hmm. that this is a single load. It's got everything in it. Yes, there's compromises they made, but they've had to make those to fit it in and fit it. In they did this is not half the game this is not half the levels every level every boss most of the enemies that are in the right place all the levels designed as they are whether they melt your eyes or not whether the scrolling jerks or not i think on the balance of the game considering how much is in here this is pretty good now i never really liked new zealand story that much but i found myself quite enjoying playing this i wonder if it, i'm not sure if it's because i've been spending so much time on super mario wonder at the moment mario wonder then i was just kind of into this kind of stuff but there's a nice playability to this and for the c64 This is pretty good. This is pretty good. This is up in the sort of when we come to these games, more often than not, these kind of platformers fall a bit flat on the C64. This isn't bad at all. So it's as close as the arcade as you're probably going to get on the C64, minus some of the interstitials.
1: But what did you think? Pretty much exactly the same. I mean, I never played the original arcade of this. Did you? Did you ever see this? I don't think I ever even saw it. I don't know if I've seen it. I don't don't know. I don't remember playing it. No, I don't think I've ever seen it or played this. But I had a quick look on YouTube to see what it's like, and, and yeah, they've done a really good job in cramming the levels in here, and it. It does have the look and feel of the arcade original, albeit in a C sixty four fashion. And for those elements, they should be praised because, they've, like you said, they fitted everything in and it's single load. Yeah, that's I, think all so. good. I think that's fair. But like you said, and I've got this written down here, it's a bit twitchy and glitchy around the edges, mm. with some quite prominent sprite flicker on display, and sometimes. That affects the bullets, which can, your bullets can pass through things and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. I found I was shooting stuff and they weren't dying. I was like, mm, the bullets just, mm, okay. So that can be a bit of a pain. The sounds and visuals are decent enough. Like you said, I've got exactly the same. Some of the sprites are a little hard to make out against the very yellow, is all yellow background. Yellow.
0: Yeah, a bit, it's a bit over <laughs> a lot, yellow, isn't it? It's a
1: bit yellow. This is certainly a Coldplay's favorite game, this. um It's a lot of yellow yellow. <laughs> it's a decent port, and as a game, it is pretty addictive because these kind of games generally are. You learn to move through the levels, yeah. and you get faster and faster. But I found that when I died, like you said, I died to the game rather than me making a mistake. So I was like, "What's that? Oh, I'm dead. Is that is yeah. that spike? Oh, it's, it is." Like it's that first thing, right at the beginning of the first level, you just kind of walk along the bottom and it's just dead. You're like, what yeah. is that? Why is it even there? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I thought it was a collectible or something. Things yeah. like that are a bit annoying, but maybe that's that's from the arcade. That's the level design from the arcade. They've just got to go with it, are not they? But again, like I said, sometimes I would shoot stuff or try and get on a floating thing and not make it and sometimes just be like hampered by tons of there's one bit where you got to drop down and there's tons of those doors opening and just firing from all over the place oh yeah 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 so yeah. i did find it tricky in places more than it kind of needed to be i think especially that early in the game but it's good it's not a terrible conversion it's a pretty decent conversion i don't think it's up there with the best conversion on the system because i think again you're working with the source material aren't you it's a pretty decent yeah. game but it's not. It is like you said. I think it 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 doffs its cap to Mario. Um, yeah, totally. in, in, in in the in the grand scheme of things, and I think there's a lot of Mario in this. I mean, you can shoot and stuff. But but it, yeah, it's fine. It's cute. It's nice. And it's a, it's a good conversion. It's just very yellow. All yellow. <laughs>
2: it is. just very yellow <laughs> bird up high in banana tree. It's very a lot of yellow yeah. in
1: that. <laughs> it is. I mean, the later levels get a bit less yellow, but that opening one, I'm not sure. Like you said, so many yellow brick tiles oh,
2: <laughs> it's, 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 those yellow bricks i was like please no more levels with bricks in because i can't cope with it
1: and then those things that float in they're floating on because it's yellow and brown isn't it they're floating on yellow and brown sort of rocks and they and they're kind of <laughs> yeah. green and brown it's like this is yeah. not the, it, it, the c64 is not no yeah. this no i don't know why they went i can probably guess why they're not high res it's another sprite in it they've got a draw around them so yeah, yeah. the multiplex would have sort of just collapsed i think
2: yeah, um, yep. So, I think you're exactly right. There's there's technical limitations. I mean, they try to hide them, but sometimes you can't.
1: Yeah, yeah. But I think they've done a good job, like you said, of fitting everything in. And I think like mm. something. I, just, I put this with something like Bionic Commando kind of thing, kind of levelish. Myself. Yeah, yeah. So I get somewhere with that, in actually, there, yeah. it's ninety three percent though. I th- I th- I think so. I think for what's there and, and how playable it is, and for the time, I think I think so. I think for the machine, this got. Twenty percent more that over just just under twenty percent more
2: than the platformer that we reviewed in the last episode.
1: Oh Rick Dangerous. Yeah, yeah. stupid that is. But yeah. then again, but then again, Rick Dangerous didn't pay for a cover, did they? Yeah. It does make you wonder, doesn't it? It does point, make you wonder. So. I mean I can see where I got it, but we said Rick Dangerous should have been up, up in the nineties. I think yeah, it should have been. It should have
2: been. That's what I mean, so it just seems odd that this game would be and that one isn't, and yet this one actually is
1: probably buggier than that other one well it is yeah and Rick Dangerous I think is well, I mean this is a conversion so they're just working to a template out the Rick Dangerous is a lot more yeah, yeah. you know it's original piece of software yeah it is but there you go that's it there you go New Zealand story it's all right it's not a bad conversion maybe you're yeah, right maybe conversion. the 80s maybe it should be down the 80s let's move on we've still got two games we've got six this week let's move along to our next one. <sighs> Hands up, Graham. If you remember the Pink Panther game, do you remember that? I remember it well. Yeah. The, it followed the war games principle, didn't it? Which is the only way to win was not to play.
2: Yes, yeah. Uh, you could just go to the right and get to your desert island and
1: go, you know what? Do that. Just go to the right. <laughs> and now for some reason, I can only imagine that they've been around and bought all these magic bites, that uh, people who made that horror have been given a second bite of the iconic animation apple with Tom and Jerry hunting Unbelievable. high and low. Unfortunately, this has nothing to do with the Aha song. I don't know why. <laughs> Full price game. It was coded by Kevin Mickelson and Winfried Stappert. It has graphics by Ralph Vogel and music by the ever reliable, or the one we've heard quite a lot of, because we've not seen anything of the others. George Brandt. Aye. Called Hog Brandt. George Brandt. How do you pronounce that? This game has a couple of title screens. The first being the Magic Bites logo with some spooky music. Yeah, weird. Yeah, and then we get the logo image of Tom and Jerry, which is pretty well drawn, I thought. And it yeah, worked yeah. here rather than that headless thing we saw for the Crapvert. It's contextual yeah. here and looks like the logo of the cartoon. So I was yes, like, yes. So I think you were right in trying to say that's what they were trying to do on the Crapvert. Yeah. They failed because they didn't have the background. <laughs> yeah, it needs that. It needs, it <laughs> needs context. Here it works. Okay. Uh, there's some music here. It reminded me of early Hubbard, maybe like Jerry the Germ or Thing on a Spring. Yeah, it's a weird, weird thing. And why isn't it the Tom and Jerry music? <laughs> I, I don't know. But that we've asked that of many things, yeah. <laughs> many times. We've asked that. And when we did get the right music, we were horrified by it. I think yeah, the something. monkey's paws just got start to tremble. <laughs> it was the it was the monsters won it. The monsters yeah. did it to us. That was it. Uh. Uh, it's okay. The music's all right. Uh, we also get the title in purple on black, with nothing better to do. We press the fire button to commence the slowing. Slowing. There's lots of slowing in this. Tom and Jerry shouldn't be slowing. <laughs> no, Should this be? game does not load quickly. And when it finally it does load, we get the word time and the number six hundred in grey at the bottom <laughs> of the screen, the Commodore font. <laughs> nothing promises a wacky adventure like a grey font on a black screen. Yes. Yeah, I mean I was I so was depressing. I was like oh, amazing. Time. I was hooked yeah the game world then the game world then scrolls on from the right to the left, and we have a side on view of a living room with Jerry perched on a shelf on the left of the screen. I'm just going to stop here and kind of let you know what the game's all about because I've kind of got this part because there's the instruction manual it, it well it starts off with a couple of poems one from Jerry and one from Tom, which I shall now read. Jerry's poem goes like this: I love cheese, give me more more to fill my tummy." Stinky cheese, runny cheese, yummy, yummy, yummy. That sweet smell drives me mad, makes me look for more. I eat the bits around the holes, the holes are just a bore. I love cheese, cheese is my life. I dream of cheese at night. My whole world is made of cheese, now I need a bite. (sighs) Tom's poem goes like this. That fat little mouse is my delight, I'm after him day and night. I will catch him come what may. If I'm not hit by bullets, stray. And when I do, then do not <laughs> grieve. Congratulate me as you leave. What? I don't know. Bullets, stray? Yeah. If I'm not hit by bullets, stray. Oh, I hate it when they do it, that. Besides, <laughs> that's just the sign of a shit poet. <laughs> yeah, I know it is. I will catch him come up, May, If I'm not hit by bullets, stray. Honestly, just- was this written by Happy Gilmore? I don't know. It's shooter McGavin's poem, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. so it's rubbish that's what it is so jerry is desperate for cheese and tom is out to stop him that's the game all right that's it uh you control jerry and your job is to navigate the platform style world of the house you're in and collect and eat as much cheese as possible controls are simple enough left and right to move fire to jump and down when on a suitable object to try and drop it hopefully on tom's head as you move across the levels tom will emerge from the right and try to catch you he does this in two ways. First, he can jump and knock you off any shelf you may be on, if he can reach you. And second, once he has done this, he will pounce on you on the floor. If he does this, then you lose 30 seconds of your 600 allowed at the beginning of the game. I hate the fact that it just doesn't say 10 minutes. No, don't. <laughs> 600 time. You got 600 time, Graham. Don't so, so stupid. That's, too, that's longer than the cartoons were. <laughs> 600 stupid time. Stupid idiots. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. Yeah like the beginning in the game, but scripts it does catch you, the screen goes black and you start a game where you left off. There are also mouse holes which you can enter in the skirting boards. Entering one of these takes you on a trippy 3D section where you navigate oh, God, the multiverse bit. to re-emerge in another room in the house. That bit. Why? Why? <laughs> that- Why? Why? Down these tunnels, <laughs> stray bits of detritus will need to be avoided, like bowling balls and other kind of crazy crap, whilst floating bits of cheese will need to be eaten. <laughs> I, I, thought I'd eaten some, I thought I'd eaten a bit of wrong cheese when these bits happened. I was like, oh, I've eaten some. That cheese was off I had at lunchtime. Look what was going on. <laughs> there are four different rooms levels, and you need to collect every bit of cheese in them before heading back to room one and the cheese store for some reason. I thought he was just eating the <laughs> cheese. Why does he need to go back to a cheese store? And why is that predicated on him eating all the cheese in the house? Why don't you just go to the cheese store if he loves cheese? (laughs) Yeah, which he could do. It makes little sense, this. But you won't care, because this game is not very good. The graphics, I guess, are pretty decent. There's an okay Tom and Jerry moving about the screen. And the background objects, they're uh, they're okay. But I went and played 1984's Henry's House the other week. And they're Mm they're drawn well better in that. (laughs) those background graphics in those rooms in Henry's house are much better than these they're not that great but they're, they're, they're they're serviceable and passable but however the game is horrible horrible to control Jerry moves and reacts really slowly, far too slowly to avoid Tom. Remember Jerry in the in the, um, cartoon? He's like, yeah. running and legging it. Fast. Running away from a cat. <laughs> yeah. And this is like. Do do so do stupid. Do. <laughs> it's far too slow to avoid Tom in any great way. And time and time again, I was knocked off the shelves. Sometimes I was knocked off the shelves into areas where I couldn't move and yep. just grabbed by Tom. The shelves are all solid objects as well. So that's really annoying. So it's basically just a block. Yeah, It might as well just be a block. Because it so, says uh, as is everything on them, so you can't jump up through them, walk through, ob- walk past objects. Everything is solid. Not, not like in a lot of platforms where you can just run along the shelf and maybe jump up on stuff. And no, you can't jump up to the next thing. Nope, nope, none of that. Nope. You got to go around the edges. It's the edges for you. You can only jump on them from the side. The same goes for objects. You can't run past them, as he said. You must try and jump over them. Jerry will often get stuck on them, and this causes more frustration. You can try and knock some of the objects off the shelves onto Tom, but this is an onerous and tricky task because it moves so slowly, and then they just fall past him, and it doesn't always seem to work. When it does, Tom isn't rendered unconscious for very long, so he will soon be after you again. It's all very annoying. As a platformer, this is very lacking. The levels are not particularly well-designed and the controls are leaden and unresponsive. The goal of the game is boring, and the simplistic nature of it all will soon have you running for your own mouse hole to get away from it. We've recently played things like Rick Dangerous, Anna Sisters, and this very issue, New Zealand Story, we've got Rainbow Islands next week. Both cute-style platformers render this utterly redundant in just about every way. The whole nature of Tom and Jerry is crazy, fast action, with moments of mad panic, and the ensuing fun of that coming thick and fast, making your book game a boring, lumpy collect-a-thon about cheese is simply missing the point. Even if you do try and include some of the mouse-on-cat violent action, a boring, clumsy game that, once again, is not worthy of the license. Ass. <laughs> yeah. What did you think? <laughs> well, let
2: me just preface this and explain that I am a massive, and I mean massive, Tom and Jerry fan.
1: Early Tom and Jerry, the classic Tom and Jerry for the 60s happened, Awesome, just
2: all Tom and Jerry for me. I mean, and I'm and I'm talking, you know, as, as far back as when he was called Jasper. That's how that's how far back <laughs> I, I I go with me and Thomas. We're like that. We are Tom and Jerry was the mainstay of my childhood. That and Bugs Bunny, the mainstay of my childhood cartoon memories. Yeah, you know, and and early childhood, and that's an, that's important. That's an important thing to note. So when clowns come along and bastardize something that I actually cherish. I take that very personally. So this Mm -hmm. game is just awful in every possible... Now, actually, let me say this. Jerry looked like a mouse, Jerry Mouse, and Thomas looked like Thomas. He did. Okay. They did. And the background graphics looked suitably backgroundy for a C64 game of this type. They looked, I mean, in movement and the way it plays, awful, but they looked like they could have formed into something that could have taken shape. The problem here is not about the characters. All of that is set... So like we said about the previous game, all of that, there's a benchmark for Tom and Jerry. It has to look like Tom and Jerry and the backgrounds have to look like a sort of domestic scene because that's Tom and Jerry. That's where it's met the mainstay of all the cartoons. Yeah, yeah. So, that's, so you could you, they couldn't have got that bit wrong. What they get wrong is everything else yeah. in such a fundamental way that it's like you misunderstand Tom and Jerry. And there's only really one dynamic you need to understand, isn't there? A cat chasing a mouse mm. so would it have been better for you to play the cat instead of the mouse yeah probably. maybe
1: yeah
2: is it such a cop-out to play a game where you're a mouse collecting cheese yeah because jerry's capable of doing that what well he proves in the cartoon how clever he is by outsmarting thomas at every instance not just by collecting cheese although he is often he is often they often try and form a trap by putting cheese and the smell will get him wafting in when he's asleep and all, the yeah. all of that stuff that's in the cartoon they could have used that to their advantage but no what you end up with is a really crap game and like you said jumping on the edges of things it's just it's so clumsily handled so everything about this game other than the fact that they drew tom and jerry to make it look like tom and jerry which you know they had to everything else is wrong the music's bad the game is bad the game design is awful it doesn't play like a tom and jerry game they don't act like tom and jerry and then you get to the
1: stupid sluggish control it's a mouse (laughs) A very light, fast mouse. Yep. He controls like an elephant. You ever seen a mouse run when he tried? Have you ever tried to catch a mouse? Yeah, it's impossible. Yes,
2: yeah, yeah, like lightning might one might say. And that would you know they could they could have used that to their advantage in this game. So you could you could have been faster and you could have set things for Thomas and land on him. And then really all you end up doing is kind of dropping bowling balls on his head. Yeah. And then when you go to that stroboscopic trippy section, which is in it for no reason whatsoever, everything that you previously could pick up and use is suddenly against you. It's like, what are you doing? Why is that even there? Why does he need to go? I mean, is he meant to be going through some kind of mouse hole, like a wormhole? Why is it there? And know. all it really showed to me was that they took a, I mean, this is a really big license as well. It's not, it's not, it's not some small thing, is it? What is this Tom and, Tom and Jerry? What is it? Metro Golden MGM? I mean, it must be huge. So, yeah, yeah. so, you know, not content with getting the Pink Panther and, you know, sticking one up that. They now get Tom and Jerry. And I think, do you know what? No, I'm not having it. I'm not having it at all. No. Would it have been so difficult to take a leaf from Star Paws's book? And just make it like that old Road Runner, where they, you know we, we know it wasn't perfect. In any but it was better than this. It was, and it at least adhere to the character sort of archetypes. Tom is a cat that likes to chase, and 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 oftentimes he's actually trying to prove himself to the owner of the house. He's not actually trying to just eat mice or anything else. He's actually just trying to you know prove that he can be a mouse catcher to the to the house owner mm-hmm. or something like that. And Jerry is often just you know wants in some of the later ones. He just wants to sort of have a have home. He wants to just have a home. He wants to. Make a little mouse home. That's that's kind of the nature of the way these things work. Yes, at certain points, Jerry does threaten him with a broken glass bottle, or set him on fire, or drop an <laughs> iron on his head. Why can't those things happen? It's just it, it, this had all it, this had the look, but nothing, nothing of Tom and Jerry's feel or anything else. It's an abomination. Forty three percent. I would have given this zero. It is crap, yeah. and it deserves this. It deserves unpoor,
1: lava based scorn upon it. It didn't even have the option to put a pin on the floor, which it's is just, one of the, it's so Which wrong. is, you know, the the best moments in the uh, Tom and Jerry cartoons always come when Tom steps on a pin and he does that freeze moment. Yeah, exactly. Scream. And then he does the, he does the scream, which the they massive scream. You know but
2: what, what baffles me is that if, if even if you hadn't, I mean, it takes three minutes to watch Tom and Jerry cartoon, of which there are hundreds. You just yeah. So so it's not like the source material isn't out there for them to go. What what is this Tom and Jerry about? Would it have taken take three minutes of your life to look? You'd have picked it up from the cartoons because that's their instant appeal. Oscar-winning instant appeal. And yeah. then you could have gone, right, okay, so we can make it a bit more about And then instead of going, you know, well, let's just make it about a mouse eating cheese. It's like, that's such a cop-out, you lazy, good-for-nothing, developing scumbags. Get lost and never come back. Can't be doing with that. No, no, I'm not having it. No. <laughs> no. Now, <laughs> no, God like forbid, it. if they come if they come back with a Bugs Bunny game, that honestly. <laughs>
1: well, to be fair, this is the only game, apart from George Brandt, this is the only game... That i found that these people made
2: thank god time travel i'd, I'd be getting my time machine out i'm telling I you think
1: they just go off and work on the amiga i don't know um
2: yeah i'd, I'd be going full coming to conquer red alert on them <laughs>
1: yeah probably anyway no there you go tom and jerry's bloody rubbish
2: didn't like it don't don't play it don't just don't upset yourself and don't upset you know Don't. Do
1: no it. no let's move along we've still got one game left this part let's move on to that Graham, it's time for you to uh, rescue some hostages. Yeah. Okay. So this is an
2: Infograms game. Um, it was nine ninety nine. got sixty six percent in Zap. Okay. It was coded by Philippe Campion and Harold Ouzek. I think that's how you pronounce that. Ouzek. I think the musician was Charles Calais. Um, he did the music for Lienfield and something called Passengers on the Wind, which I thought sounded like a Spinal Tap album. But <laughs> I Anyway <laughs> we'll hold that against him. We'll hold that against him so there's a, again a fairly straightforward premise to hostages. I'll just go through it because it's it's it is quite straightforward essentially people have been kidnapped by terrorists and are being held hostage <laughs> <That's> <laughs> and you, you control a uh, a kind of a'm a, a, not they're not sWAT team because that's an American but a, a team of specialists. Yeah. to who will go in and their job is to go in and rescue said hostages and do so without um cause either getting all of your team killed or losing too many of the hostages in the way. And so there's a series of stages you need to go through in order to do exactly that. Now, I'll sort of go through the parts because it's probably easier to sort of do this. Um mm-hmm. So when the game starts, and by the way, I, I actually played more of this on the Amiga back in the day than I did on the C64. So it was quite interesting oh, to Oh, you play played this, this before? Had yet? Yeah, on the Amiga, yeah. Right, okay. As soon as the music came on, I was like, oh, it's that one. With like, that doon, 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 doon. Doo. And then the hostages scrolling loads. It's like, over scroll. <laughs> um, anyway, after you've chosen your rank and your mission, it's into the crazy world of, of beginning, anyway, at the start of Delta, Echo and Mike. You have three operatives and you've got to kind of get through two parts of the game. The first part is with Delta Echo and Mike and let like you get three more operatives as well. So the first part of the game, you've actually got to position your marksman at key points around the building where the hostages have been taken. So you're presented with a split screen for this. The top half shows a map of the embassy with some of the key sort of m- key marksman locations indicated with an X, which is where you've got to get your three operatives to. And to the right of that is the remaining time for this part of the mission. Time is, well, I say the remaining time, I think it's your overall time that you've got, but anyway, you know, so you've got that. And then obviously there's the name of your three operatives. You can switch between them with the one to three keys, which is quite cool. And the lower half of the screen is where you control your operative with the joystick and attempt to run to the indicated location or one of the three locations and take up your position there. You control everything with the joystick here, running, walking, crawling, prone, kneeling, jumping, and importantly, ducking into hiding places along the Mm. way. You control your player sprite here, a bit of an amorphous blue man shaped blob, um, <laughs> who fidgets more than animates across a functional series of background buildings, walls and etc. He animates very well when
1: going into cover though. I'll give him that.
2: Yeah, yeah. He, yeah, when he dies into cover and he slips in the <laughs> way, but he's got, when he runs it, it's like urtho, 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 fidget. Urtho. I was like, all right, just you know what it is what it is. He does sort of fidget a bit. Um, and It's sort of weird as well because you, when you start, the X is to your left, and you think I better run to the left. You need to run to the right. Yeah. I still can't get my head around that. <laughs>
1: that, that, that broke my head as well. <laughs> first of all, like,
2: why? Am, oh, where all the X's are to the left on the map? Anyway, why am I getting and further I suppose away? If, if, if you're looking top down, I suppose maybe to, I don't. Anyway, it doesn't matter. <laughs>
1: <laughs> suppose you're you will because you're seeing the back, aren't you? Where yeah, yeah. where he's going into. I kind of, yeah. okay, I kind of see it. But- sort of, it sort of makes sense. But anyway,
2: you, you, you soon figure it out. You know, yeah. you just go, don't go the way you think and you'll be okay.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So as you sort of fidget in, uh, hey, and then <laughs> you'll see these um, searchlights and they're scanning for you. Now, the idea is obviously don't get caught out in a searchlight because that's, you know, you're going to get shot and they do shoot at you and they'll hit you yeah. and that's one of your operatives, you know, dead. No on that. And you've only got three goes from because you've got three operatives. And at this point, if you lose all three, well, that's it. The game's over and it's back to the drawing board a little bit. Mm-hmm. So the idea then is you run along, avoid the searchlights, which means you can duck under cover because there's little bits with walls where you can leap over, doorways you can dive in, windows you can heroically leap through, um, <laughs> yeah. or you can go prone, you can crouch. This, you know, you've got you know you've got control over trying to not be seen. How to not be seen is the kind of the key here. Mm-hmm. And so you'll run and do all of that stuff until you get to the vantage point. When you get to the vantage point, you then switch to one of the other operatives, and then you've got to try and do that three times to get into position, which is all fine. So like I say, don't get shot; it's the best thing, and just you know. Keep your eye on everything, including the clock and everything else. Obviously, the time and everything else. So, and moving between the guys is easy enough, and you can move between them at any point as well. So you can get somebody, get them in cover, jump to Mike, get Mike, get him so far, and you you edge your way through. You know, you it would be inadvisable to try and leap and run to the furthest vantage point in one take without
1: getting into cover first. Cause, yeah,
2: because yeah, you're going to get shot. You would. Yeah, <laughs> no way around that. And there's, there's sometimes There's one searchlight Sometimes there's two And they're pretty You know If they sort of see you Then they'll come And they'll double down on you To see if they can find you So it's pretty good But like I said It's easy enough to move Between the three And it keeps and it keeps at a pace It's not like you press the two key And there's like some loading Or something dull like that It switches instantly So it's quite nice like that So when you do get to the one To the marked location After you've successfully Got all three to their place Then uh, you have to press The return key Don't press the space key Whatever you do At that point Don't press the space bar Why? Because that restarts The whole level <laughs> For really, it's a really stupid thing. I don't know why it's there. It even warned you of it in the instructions. Like, you know, if you want to reach, you know, if you get to the vantage point, press the space bar, you'll go back to the beginning again and you do it all over again. It's like, well, that's really stupid.
1: <laughs> why have you put that in?
2: <laughs> I don't know why it's there. And also when you do get your, one of you guys to the vantage point, it yeah, has this really weird way of scrolling all the way back to where one of the other guys is, like scrolls. It's like it not just jump. So that, that is a bit annoying because you're like, oh, here we go. Because it, it's Not like it takes ages or anything, but it's just weird. Anyway, once you're all in position, remember, don't press the space bar. That would be a big mistake at that big point. Mistake. Press the return key and you'll enter the next part. Okay, here you begin by moving your assault team into position. That's Hotel Tango and Bravo to you and me. Good old HTB. These are also, also known as the Dick Men. Now, I didn't make that up. That's in the instructions. D-I-C, they're the Dick Men. There is an acronym for that, but they're Dick Men. The Dick Men have arrived. You've got to get the Dick Men in. <laughs> so many jokes and, and double entendres at this point. It gets beyond belief. I'm not going to do too many. I'll try and avoid them where I can. Anyway, so you got to get your Dick Men <laughs> and position them. Correctly. So get your dick men into position. Okay. And the idea is that you've got to align them with the X's that are, because are, they're going on top of the building and your men are obviously around the sides because your men are going to act as snipers and I'll, I'll come to what it all means. But so you've got to get the dick men to their position on top of the roof. Okay, you do this with your joystick. This is actually pretty easy. I don't, it's a bit odd, this. It's a bit simple, but it actually gets more difficult and I'll explain why in a minute. But anyway, so you mm-hmm. position them where you're going to be. When you're happy with that, it took me ages, thank God you found it, but it took ages to find it, but you have to press the end key on a keyboard on a On, on my a Mac
1: keyboard, yeah. this is on mine as well on a modern PC on this emulator, Which yeah
2: then turns them into a abseiling view so you get the screen changes and you get like a view of them um they're on the roof aren't they yeah they're on the roof and they're what the idea of the game obviously you've got to break in hostage you know smash your way into the building and go through the windows and then obviously you're inside the building and do all of that kind of thing now obviously you can't jump through windows when there's people in the windows that would be daft to do that Mm -hmm. and so as you upsail down the building, you oftentimes you'll and absiding down is funny because you'll go down like super cool super animation slide down the rope. Then you'll <laughs> see a shadow in the window. Then if you want to go back up, the animation's not as good. It's a bit like <laughs> <He's not laughs> a it jiggly jiggly.
1: Keep upsailing and then he just lets go for it's, no reason yeah, and just, falls yeah, off. For, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah, why does he do that? He just <laughs> drops to his death. Anyway, so
2: once you so you press end, and then you so and then you got to abseil down to the window entry point of the building. Now you have got to be careful, like I said, because sometimes there's terrorists in those windows. So you either you either have to wait, move back up, or you can switch to one of your snipers in their positions, and you can shoot them through the window. Yeah. So you can you can target them, which is obviously what you should do. Yes. Now, you've got to be careful when you do that, because that alerts all the terrorists in the building. It's not obvious that it does till you're in the building, but that alerts the terrorists to where you are in that building, and they send loads of terrorists to can get you. So sometimes it's better to shoot another window out and go through a different window in this game so that the terrorists go to the wrong location. Now, it's not obvious that it does that,
1: but it does do that. That would explain so, why every time I did it, I just <laughs> shot, I fell through, and then <laughs> said someone wait for me to get popped. I was like, oh, it didn't work.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's a bit of a nightmare. But sometimes you can just smash your way in through a window. When you do that, we sort of get another dynamic. So, you can, like I said, you've got to be careful. Make sure there's no terrorist there. You can either go back up. Or you can switch between the other Dick men with keys four, five, and six, and you can switch to your original sniper crew, assuming so that you've got all three of them alive with keys one, two, and three. So. It's like, like I said, you press right to slide down. You can press fire to swing out and smash your way to the building. Like uh, I said, just remember, if there's a terrorist there, if there is a terrorist in that window, and you smash through, you'll be killed instantly. That person is dead. There's no jumping through the window and having a shootout. If, you, if there's a shadow in the window and you smash through, and they have a knack of appearing just as you're at peak, swing back. <laughs>
1: That He's like, oh, guy's dead. Made a terrible mistake? <laughs> yeah, nothing you can do about
2: it. And Saka so, like said, and don't forget you've got importantly, you've got to remember you've got Delta Echo and Mike out there. You can switch, you can switch to them and scan the outside of the building, check the windows and sort of cause distractions and stuff like that. So between both teams, you stage an assault on the building. And that is pretty damn neat, actually, the way that works. Mm-hmm. Once you're in the building, your view is actually split into five areas. Top left is your 3D point of view, top right is a graphic of your operative, bottom left is your map with the hostages and terrorists indicated, and you as an arrow. Very neat, actually, the way that works. It's quite clear who's what and where. I like that. Also indicates your compass direction and floor number because there's multiple floors on this as well. Next to that, another graphic, and to the right of that, your remaining team members' call signs. So, this obviously gives you an indication of how many you have left at this point. Now, bear in mind, you can go into the building with one operative, two operatives, or three operatives. And in the later levels, you'll need to go in with all three and you need to cover each other, cover each other's back, because I can tell you, it gets really hard. But for this beginning one, I went in sort of as one operative and I was able to just go on some kind of kill crazy. You just went full
1: on Lewis Collins from Who Dares Wins.
2: I did, yeah, yeah, I did. It was very Who (laughs) who Dares Wins, very heroic. So a couple of other indicators. You've got a a compass direction and your floor number, like I said, on there as well. So you, you sort of know where you are. And the idea here is you can go room to room, corridor to corridor, looking for terrorists or hostages or sometimes both. Because they'll be in the same area. You can move around your joystick with the view. Then it's kind of a rotational view, so you sort of rotate the view in the top left three to sort of point of view. Push mm. forward to go forwards if there's if you're in a corridor. But it works. It's not. It's fast. It's not. You know. It's not sluggish. It's not. It's not trying to draw fancy 3D. It's just zoom, zoom, zoom. But it works. It works in the context of what this is. So again, you're moving around the joystick. Aiming depends on the mode you're in. Because if you confront a terrorist, that engages fire mode, and then you've got to move your sort of weapon reticule, target reticle to where the um, terrorist is and shoot at them. Now, this isn't as easy as it sounds because you don't get like a little, well, you don't get a target reticule as such. You get like, a, you just get a, an idea of where you're shooting at, but eventually you shoot them and they go, and you can shoot them. Just be careful you don't shoot the uh, hostages because that's bad. Killing hostages is bad. Keeping them alive, good. Mm. And then once you've killed all the terrorists on a level, you can guide the hostages to the safe room for that level if you want to. Now, normally there's a room with one door and no windows, and on every, on, at least on the top floor of or every building that you take into this game. So you, you can guide all of your. Surviving so hostages to that room, and then you can at least keep everyone safe. If the terrorists get wind that you're in there, they'll start killing the hostages, and eventually, of course, if they kill them all, then that's the game over for you. Mm-hmm. So at this point, then you're sneaking around room to room, and you'll find yourself being quiet for no reason. <laughs> you sneaking around, looking around. Now there's staircases as well, because these are multi-level, so you can go up downstairs and do all of that. You can also then crash into the the windows, cause distractions with the other team members, and enter them with the others and switch between them all. So you can actually then sort of do a full scale sort of assault on this building and then go around the inside shooting on the terrorists. All the terrorists and such will appear in the view on the top left when they do. Um, and you can aim your weapon and shoot them. Because like I said, not, don't shoot the hostages. Then you can carefully look, look around enter the rooms, look around, remember that the enemy terrorists will also be looking and shooting at you and they look for you as well. So they, if there's a noise or this a large nice, noise, they'll come looking for you. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes that means they'll go and get hostages as shields. So you've got to be planning, be carefully about that because it's much harder to shoot a terrorist if they've got a shield, uh, as a hostage shield. Shoot all the terrorists and it's mission accomplished. And then you can choose to either replay parts one or two again. If you lose all your men, you get a slap on the wrist. And then disappointingly, the exact same choice, which I thought was really weird. So when Mm. you lose, you don't go back to the beginning. You can just replay it again. If you win, you get a nice message, but you then can replay it again. It's like, just feels a little bit like underwhelming that anyway. Yeah. The level, levels of difficulty are very intense as you try the harder levels in this, I can tell you now. And the maps are larger, buildings are taller, there's more complex, there's a lot more terrorists. And so it gets quite complicated when you're trying to navigate around because sometimes you find yourself surrounded by terrorists and they will go and find the safe room and try and kill all your hostages as well. And it's, there's little bits of logic, AI logic, such as they are AI, but there's little bits of logic in this game that aren't immediately obvious when you're playing it, but they are in there and it just play, have an effect on the dynamic of the game. So the question is really, after all of that, Does this work as a game? And the answer for the main part is I think yes. The graphics could have been better maybe, should have been probably really for some parts, but they function and it sets out what it aims to do and achieve. The second part is a lot better than the first. But as a whole, it's coherent. If anything, this is just missing a bigger overarching objective. So obviously you've got to rescue the hostages, but that's kind of it. But mm. if this had been part of multiple missions and you had to work your way up, or there was some kind of ranking system or something like that, well, you're getting into more modern game territory there. But I think with missions accessor, that would have helped just give it a bit more around the edges. It would have gelled together a bit better if it felt like you was on a bigger, mean, more meaningful mission or something like that, or it added up to something. So this is clearly shown, I think, in the winning and losing, which is essentially the same thing in This game, which is a bit disappointing, but okay, it is what it is. This is really 8 bit Rainbow Six, isn't it? That's what I was thinking. <laughs> kind of yeah, yeah,
1: exactly. It, it kind of
2: is. I mean, obviously, this that's way in advance of all that, but it, there is parts of that that lean into this, and I don't think you can have really any doubts about it. even with some of the smudgy graphics. There's a neat game in here with some playable ideas around team management and multiple modes of play. It also requires some skill as well. You can't just run around shooting the place up. And I like that about this. I liked it about the Amiga version. I liked it about this. And this is actually, I think, weirdly, there's a little bit more. I think it's a little bit better than the Amiga version for some reason, but it's a long time since I played that. Anyway, tactics are the order of the day here. It's not like you can just go in there and go on a kill crazy. I tried it. And you sort of can on those early levels, but later on, no chance. So limitations maybe, but under the hood, it's a bit different, isn't it? This something that functions mm. from infograms for once that's nice. It's let down with those sort of graphic animations. We're fidgeting around a bit for the first part, but I actually really enjoyed playing this again and I really enjoy the C64 version. I think 66 percent is a little bit harsh. I mean, it's not a mega, I'm gonna put it maybe it's an 80s percent, 70 80s or something. 66 feels the three quid, it's not you know, it's, it's the third missing, isn't it? It's a, it's a two thirds good. I uh, yeah. it's a bit better than that. But what did you think?
1: I think pretty much the same as you. I think it is a bit harsh because I think I think this is another one where they've like it takes a little bit of time to sort of get into, and it takes a and yes, and it does I, it. I imagine in the crush of a, trying to put a monthly magazine together and everything else they've mm, got to do and maybe. everything, it may have just been like yeah, it's all right. Just give it two thirds, it, it falls into yeah. that two thirds bracket. Yeah. It's the six, seven out of ten, isn't it? We don't quite yes, know it about it. Six, seven out of ten, that'll do. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. Can, no one can get too angry with that. But I, I, it's, another, it's another of those odd games from Infograms. Another one. We've had loads of odd games from Infograms that do something different and weird. Um, it's obviously inspired by, I think, the film Who Des Wins, and obviously that was inspired by the the London, the Iranian embassy raid in 1981.
2: Yeah, uh, totally. Uh, yeah.
1: That, when you could see him all abseiling in and the explosions and stuff, and, yeah, yeah. and they cut yeah. away from the snooker and everything much to my annoyance, but, um, yeah, did, yeah. did, yeah. <laughs> that sees you commanding a series of men and she said to put them in position to take out the evil terrorists, held up in the embassy. That's kind of the story. I think it needed an overarching narrative, yeah, I don't know, it just felt like, you know, something, some, I don't know. They could have done some. They could have done more sort of thing with, like, a, a series of uh, building heists or something. There's, there's enough yeah, yeah. mechanics here for it to be, you could have mixed it up a bit. Mm. Uh, but there is a fair bit to like here from, like, the over-animated diving for cover. I loved that. When, <laughs> whenever I was running along, I just held up and he'd just go, <laughs> and then you see his little he just head poke up. It's like, dive, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, nice, nice little bits like that. To the whole power sending in, smashing through windows to get instantly shot, as I kept doing. Or, you know, that's just what happened to me. But I like that power sending in. I like the sort of having to smash, swing, and smash. And being able to switch and switch to your snipers to sort of take them out and things like that. I like that. There's a decent game here. And I think it could really grab you if you let it, because there's a lot to do. It may get a bit overly samey, but it's its its a C64 game. You know, but what's here is st- is solid. And it's got a weird vibe to it that just kind of works. I'm not sure about the politics of it. It keeps it all very nondescript. It's very much, they're terrorists <laughs> and you are <laughs> dick men. <laughs> okay. <laughs> what? All right, okay. But it's a strategic action game, like you said, very much an early sort of example of your Rainbow Sixes and stuff where you're breaching doors and kicking things over mm. and going in and abseiling into windows and what have you as a team. Yeah. Rainbow Six 3, Ding Chavez and all that lot. I remember yeah. playing those games loads and doing all this kind of stuff, just obviously in Absolutely. much better graphics and stuff like that. It's okay. It's pretty good, this. A little disjointed how you navigated the play of it because of the weird having to press the end key or whatever that button was. And there's some odd choices like space bars resetting it. It's an odd one, but I really like it. Do you know, weirdly, do you know strange? This came out on just about everything. It even came out on the electron. <laughs> electron? Yeah. There's an, if it you look on Moby Games, there's an electron screenshot. And there's loads of screenshots. Because it also came out on the BBC Micro. Imagine <laughs> this. And it looks as exactly as you'd expect it to look on the BBC Micro. But I'm we- hmm. weirdly, I don't I can't believe it came out on those. But yeah, it came out on everything. Spectrum, Amstrad, DOS, Amiga it ne- even came out in the NES it's on everything Wow, um, weird one but yeah yeah I enjoyed it good it's alright different and I, I quite enjoyed its weirdness mm. so uh, alright here we go that's our first three games for this month we're going to take a quick break and we're going to come back and we're going to talk music both albums and singles for September 1989 so stick with us And we're back. Let's get into some music. Number one single, Graham, for September 1989. It was, of course, Ride on Time by Black Box. All month. Yes. All month. All we were just inundated month. with... Yeah, Ride right on time. And we said last time, you know, samples, troubles, pains. Yep. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That's not more about that. Uh, number one albums, though, we had loads this month. Uh, for the first week, Cuts Both Ways was still there by Gloria Estefan. She's hang- holding on. Holding on tight. Holding on to that sword cuts both ways. For the second week, we had "Aspects of Love" from the original cast that was in for a week. Uh, this is the album of the musical yeah. "The Aspects of Love," a musical with music and book by Andrew Lloyd Webber, of and it lyrics is. by Don Black and Charles Hart, based on the 1955 novel of the same name by David Garner, and it features the song "Love Changes Everything."
2: Love changes everything. <laughs>
1: love, love changes everything.
2: Yeah, no, Things I don't like brighter. that kind of
1: thing. Whatever it is,
2: yeah, I don't. Yeah, it's an, <laughs> is it Alfie Ball or somebody like Alfie Ball. Michael Ball, wasn't it? Michael Ball, one of them. Yeah,
1: yeah, all the
2: bees. Was. Ball Bowen, <laughs> biscuits. I don't know
1: uh, them. Them three. Following that, for the next week, it was "We Two Are One" by the Arithmics. Yeah. Seventh album. Yeah. Not very good. <laughs> I listened to this. I listened to most of this today. The album, it's, as it's you've noted, it's returned to the rock pop sound of the mid-80s album. Certified double platinum in the UK reached number seven yeah, in Australia. Yeah. They're very popular. It's, it's weirdly M.O.R. It seems to me to it be chasing very American music, American market. Yes. Yep.
2: And also it's got Angel on it, hasn't it? Where she walks into an empty
1: room
2: and- <laughs> That one. Yeah, okay. Maybe more tuneful than that.
1: but I didn't mind the title track, We two Are One. I thought that was quite good. It got a good bass line on it. Mm, but it, right? gets, but... It, it just sounded like a bit bit set-y.
2: I like the early Eurythmics sound. I don't like this version. I just, I just don't. No.
1: Well, we'll see, a because um, this is very guitar-y, but we'll have a track from another band who are a bit of a synth legend doing a guitar-y mm. track in a moment, in a bit, coming up, and we'll see the difference. Mm. Final week, we had Foreign Affair by Tina Turner, yeah, um, huge album, that. Yeah, huge album. It but didn't perform as well as Tina Turner's previous albums, though, Private Dancer and Break. Every yeah, I know that every weirded role. me out, that. though. It didn't perform as well. It was multi-platinum, in, I mean,
2: multi-multi-platinum in over 13 countries. So how well did the others do that this one is the poor one? This is the poor relation to those. It's just, it seems mad. So it's because they measure it by the, obviously, all the countries that they you know and it, if you look at the list all so on wikipedia it tells you exactly how many it sold and it's millions and millions and millions in every country in the world yeah it just it's seems mad, mad to say, it's like, oh it's not as good as the other ones how did how good did they do
1: very well <laughs> yeah. very well goodness me anyway big big hit, big hits big hits it's getting some singles third of september in at number three it's every day i love you more just wanted to tell you that graham oh nice. <laughs> every day i love you more by jason donovan
2: yeah not <laughs> great song is it and, it's
1: not isn't it no. and they dressed um, him as tiffany in the video which was weird they did. tiny <laughs> hat Notice tiny hat tiny hat just like tiffany did you see what i uh, see what he wrote in the letter <laughs>
2: <laughs> he just drew a dick butt yeah I just imagine drew a dick he butt and then posted it yeah. to someone
1: um because yeah, yeah, he yeah, sits there, not, he, in his bed and oh. it's not a very good song with his door open
2: yeah, in his in his huge warehouse like you know flat, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. studio it's still,
1: flat. which they've obviously just rented for the day. Yeah, exactly. Terrible. Yeah, rubbish. Number twenty is Party Man by Prince. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, question: Right, is this the whole Prince Batman? All this kind of stuff. Is this peak Hollywood multimedia crossover nightmare marketing film music icon synthesis nightmare? Is this the is this the peak of it? It's not the peak of it. I mean, this it's is just the
2: beginning of it. You know, this what, is the, it it gets bigger? a lot worse. It, it, there's loads of films where we get weird mishmashes of different things. This is a confusing song. I think if you take if you, if it was just a Prince song, you wouldn't bat an eyelid because it it features in the film Batman in one particular scene. Therefore, it, and then so the video is all Prince in his weird sort of
1: Two Face. They're all got Two Face like. Masks on, which is not even in the film. I don't get it.
2: No, I I don't get it. I don't understand. I don't understand what duality they're trying to play out, but the music belies the visuals completely. And it's from a scene in the film where they're smashing up a museum. So I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure I get it. In summation, I don't understand. Well, I'll I'll tell you this. It's not a bad Prince song, but it's a terrible Batman movie song.
1: Yeah, it's awful. And I think that's what annoys me about it. Yeah. uh in at number 25 i just mentioned it slightly up above we have personal jesus by depeche mode yeah from violator isn't it it is yeah, the opening single from violator yeah
2: yeah so i i mean i i would i would argue and probably rightly so in many ways this is probably one of the best 80s tracks ever So, quite possibly um, so,
1: it's a great tune I, I,
2: I, is it depeche mode's best that's a debate depeche mode fans can have forever but i i as a track for the 80s even in the late 80s as, as it is This is just an astonishingly good song and performance Mm. and everything else. It's just really cool. It's a great, great track, that is.
1: Yeah, yeah, it is. I mean, I I can't say a lot more to that. It's a a brilliant, brilliant song. Just just as soon as you hear it, down, 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 down. Later, of course, um,
2: there was a version of this by um, Supergoth. Marilyn Manson did a version of this, I believe. Did he? Yes, he did. It doesn't sound as good as this one, of course. He did that and sweet dreams. He did sweet dreams.
1: This he did. it. There's a few actually he did because of course he did tainted love as well. Maybe that's what I'm thinking of. Not sweet dreams. Did he do sweet dreams? He did, didn't he? Yeah, he did. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yes, he did do sweet sure dreams. Yes, it's on.
2: That's on the album. Tastes like children. Yeah, he did. Yeah, yeah. Okay, cool.
1: Number thirty two, hooks in you. It's probably the thought of this next song that did it to me. Number thirty two is hooks in you by Merillion. Well, this is le Marillion sans poisson, isn't it? <laughs> because um, Fish, Fish left the band he floated off he swam off someone someone caught him he, he, he caught was him, swimming yeah. he got hooked it was
2: it was inevitable wasn't it, it? it?
1: this song is about him hooks <laughs> in you it, it, it was
2: inevitable it was going to happen somebody cast a line out He was attracted to the little maggot on the end. He got a hook in his (laughs) lip and they owed him off and clubbed him. And then he's out in a keat net somewhere.
1: And then what's his face? Rick, Rick, Rick Steinman cooked him over a a gentle heat for (laughs) 10 minutes and enjoyed him with a nice Chianti. So I don't, I didn't actually write down the name
2: of the new singer, but this, this person, it felt to me like they were impersonating kind of a, Def Leopard type sound it's certainly not Merillion sound I've ever it wasn't a bad song actually but that's probably because it sounded more like Def
1: Leopardy type yeah it's alright it's, it's just four years too late
2: yeah <laughs> yeah it's four years too late and of course Merillion you know because they were you know the, the Jester's Tears and you know that kind of song is their, what they were famous for isn't it you know? hey Dilly Dilly <laughs> so, I mean Lavender's Blue Dilly Dilly this is you know this is more sort of you know traditional rock standard rock innit? it yeah, yeah it is standard very rock. much so so but it's it's the. i don't have a lot of time for Marillion, but once Fisher got caught then um, it, it seems that that was the best thing that could happen for me someone had
1: go. got their hooks in him they wrote a song <laughs> called hooks in you oh, the jokes are endless <laughs> <laughs> absolutely it's the song of a thousand jokes <laughs> they were sending him a message he
2: sleeps with the fishes
1: <laughs> he is a fish <laughs> 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 oh dear in at number 34 two below is loving an elevator by aerosmith oh, now, you love the aerosmith don't you you love them aerosmith are one back. of my
2: favorite bands of all time they are and this song is arguably i have a few different aerosmith songs that i really like but loving an elevator is absolutely the aerosmith mega smash i mean this, this song's like Dude that's like a lady and there's loads of stuff that you know they're all good but Love in an Elevator is one of the greatest rock songs of all time, containing, I think, one of the greatest extended guitar solos of all time. Why? Because it's not a diddly diddly do, is it? The guitar solo <laughs> in that, Did- diddly isn't, diddly it? isn't it? But it's not kind of where he's doing lots of you know noodling and stuff like that. That guitar solo works completely in context for that song. It's not over the top. It's not lots of fancy, fret-burning, sort of arpeggiated stuff. It's a really good rock and roll song. I mean, the video's a little bit cheesy, to the least. But it's from the album Pump, which is also going to come out, as we'll talk about later. But um, mm-hmm. Loving an Elevator is such an iconic track by Aerosmith. It's just mind-blowing how good it is. And even now, I love it. Love it. I could. I know every note off by art. Ah, I can play it. It's such a good track. It's all
1: right. <laughs> it's not one of my Red favorite stuff. rock tracks, but all right. it's well,
2: all yeah, right. It's all down to personal taste, isn't it? But uh, Aerosmith is a, yeah. a good band. And I, I like Pump as an album, but it's not my favorite Aerosmith album.
1: Continuing it in our rock triple bill at number 41 is Forever Free by Wasp. <laughs> a power ballad from wasp i Did didn't think that, that was possible
2: in? nobody even
1: including them by the sound of it <laughs> no, no they should have changed the name to like bee <laughs> for this record because <laughs> wasps are bastards bees yeah. like bees bees are gentle yes, and nice and they just go around bee, collecting honey, honey bee just for one
2: <laughs> single they were honey bee um so it's a power ballad okay they're not the right band for this the lead singer is not good anyway but it's certainly not in this he's felt to me like he was channeling like an aldi version of bonnie tyler and meatloaf at the same time
1: that ain't good is that bonnie <laughs> loaf or meat tyler i think meat tyler i think but if that was the aldi version it would just be good bread yeah it, it's, <laughs> pretty, it's pretty it's bread. not good
2: it, it ain't good is it, it <laughs> it's it, it, he's, he's straining on all the wrong notes and, yeah. and even on the right notes he's straining even worse it's I mean, there's people on the. I noticed on the YouTube video comments, there's people going, "Oh, this is so emotional." This song. The music's quite good. That's what we say about what's every time. B B. Honeybee. What we say about Honeybee every time? As soon as he starts singing, you know, all the cheese grates itself, doesn't it, in the room? Just goes. <laughs> <"Ay!"> <laughs> <laughs> Any, anything yeah. you've got that's got a crumbly texture is going to just fall to dust. So like, what it, happened?
1: It, I was listening to somebody the other <laughs> day and it took the sealant off my bath. <laughs> I know. I, went, I opened a pack of riveters and they just dust. Just, just crumbled just to dust w- in there. His w- voice
2: is just vibrating the, the pack. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was very, I wanted a Ravita and cheese. All I had was Ravita dust. Nobody wants that. No. Nobody's no use for it. You could make bricks out of it,
1: maybe, but. You anyway, could.
2: Honeybee, be stung.
1: <laughs> there you go. Uh, number 49 is Run 2 by New Order. Or well, Run. I think it's just Run. Um, I don't know what's in there. Run by New Order. Um, Run. Run Forest. I. <sighs> I mean, you've, you're right. It's a wishy-washy, forgettable song. You're right. Yeah. It is dreary and quite horrible. Um, it, it is at least more traditional New Order. It sounds like their early New Order stuff, like pre-Blue Monday mm. and stuff. They're early albums back then. But it's, which I prefer, which is, you know, at least a step up from that horrible Ibiza nonsense we've had recently. Uh, yeah, but it, yeah but maybe. It, but it's not a great song. It's just a bit dull. He sounds bored when he's singing it. Well, they were, weren't they? We saw about when they were recording the album. We spoke about it. Yeah. Yeah, you can tell. You can tell. They're not into it. This is a band that have lost all passion. Yes. They don't give a shit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you're
2: absolutely right there. Uh,
1: and at number 50 is Express Yourself by NWA about bands that haven't lost passion. No, Express it's, it's Yourself complete is opposite, uh, isn't
2: it? based on the big riff, isn't it? Express Yourself! Yeah. Did,
1: did you. did it with a you know, classic NWA famous, this track, for them not swearing on it at all. No curse words on that one. I did notice, though, I can't remember what it is, but he rhymes something really weird with Buddhist. <laughs> well, that's the talent, that is. But I was like, you can't rhyme that with Buddhist. <laughs> so they can. Like, they found like, okay. a way. <laughs> I was like, okay, who am I to tell Chuck D or whatever his name is, or, or Dr. Dre? <laughs> I don't know the names of them. Ice um, Cube. Yeah. Is it, I don't think it was Ice Cube, was it? Ice Cube's in NWA, yeah. Yeah, I don't think it's him singing, is it?
2: Yeah, Grant's he's on probably that. at the
1: moment sat there going, "It's and oh, Dr. Like Dr. Doing Dr. Dr. Dra- It's Doctor Straight at the Dr. beginning, Drake? then yeah, yeah it's it's Dr. draining, then it's yeah. then it's Ice Cube steps in
2: when he when he, sh- when he says, "And this is Ice Cube." That's when Ice Cube starts rapping.
1: Yeah, but it's before then. So that's why I but said it wanted him to be
2: boob lube <laughs> tube. <laughs> quat I've got lube. I don't because the... <laughs> quat lube. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, uh, it's, it's of an album that's coming Way up pretty ludes. soon, I imagine. But it's famous for not having any curse words. I'm guessing so, so it got in the chart or something. Probably because pretty much that's... every track they released
1: got banned. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> why are we getting banned all the time? I don't effing know. <laughs>
2: I don't effing know. Yeah, maybe we should call this call it hug the police. That might that might have been a better, better option. Don't. Although, probably, I can see why they might not. As you've noticed, though, the video doesn't take a lot of reading. No, no. Watch the video and you'll sort of, you'll get it. You'll get what they're sort
1: of getting Immediately. at. Immediately, yeah. <laughs> quite clear. It's quite clear. Yeah. yeah. Uh, 10th September, in at number 16, is Cherish by Madonna. Or just Cherish Madonna, should we? Mm. Cherish Madonna. I listened to this again. I was reminded that I don't particularly like this because I don't like the rhythm. There's something weird about the rhythm to this song but it's no it's in the chorus it's in the verses it's the way the verses. there's a there's a yeah 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 there's an odd, weird thing it, it's just it just rubs me the wrong way and I, it's just a bit too <laughs> i don't know it's a bit bland for madonna at this stage isn't it
2: yeah it is it's weird in lots of different ways you're, you're right it is bland because it's nothing it's very nothingy madonna she's sexing it all up in the video which doesn't match the song whatsoever And no. she's then there's a lo- whole load of mer people in it mer men mer women it's like, what's going on? Why are they even in it? What, what's that got to do with the song? Nothing. Madonna's looking all saucy on a beach. There's mermen and mer-women floating about, being caught but and what, mer like, children, fishnets and mer children. And then the song's like, "cherish you no, know, cherish." The... What is going on? Don't know. I don't. I don't get it. Something. I think you know. Somebody had one too many of the old tablets you know, the <laughs> yeah. day before
1: well, made men, made women.
2: <laughs> yeah maybe we should make the jar lids you know fruit shakes is that kind of conversation was going on
1: I yeah, think. Yeah. uh number 37 is harlem <laughs> desire by the london boys it's or not a london good song boys. this it's not great it's
2: not, it's not good
1: <laughs> it does have the return of stabby trumpets and orchestral stabs as you right know, and it's probably aimed at you right at the gay clubs and remits desks it's totally aimed at that, that that's yeah, where completely. it is but they do look like they're having some fun in that video, though. I have to say, yeah, they're, yeah, they're putting yeah. it all in. And I do like the pantomime of the bridge bit with the, those crazy orchestral stabs and shocked looks that made me actually yeah. quite laugh out loud. But, yeah. but then it went into the chorus yeah, yeah. and then the chorus just kept going on and on and it kept going up and higher. And I was like, oh, stop.
2: Yeah, okay. it's, it's just, they they start off well, their songs, and then they just kind of drift off into nothing because they're meant to be mixed into another track by that point. See? Yeah, You're probably, only really meant to listen to about two minutes of that, tops. Yeah. The middle two minutes is the good bit.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Number 38 is Mantra for a State of Mind by S-Express. S-Express.
2: This is a weak song by them. In fact, I think it's probably the weakest S-Express song of all. None of the sampling that made them famous in any way, shape, or form really in here. Leans into boring, plonky, plonky house stuff. Totally uninspired, which really surprised me for for S-Express because they... Kind of famous for doing that remix in the kind of 70s disco-y bits. There's nothing I'm not like in this one.
1: Maybe they just needed one that was a bit more traditional plinky-plonky because it was popular at the time. Yeah, he was a big DJ,
2: wasn't he? So, you you know, maybe it was something to do with that. But I just felt it was really uninspired, considering the big launch out they had. So sad, really.
1: Number 41 is Love and Regret by Deacon Blue. Oh, did, you, did,
2: did, you, did you? He, he sounded it. really knackered.
1: He, he's going to say he does. It wasn't
2: my imagination then. It's like he it just come in from a 10K run. Like, here's the microphone, sing that song. Oh, I've just come in from a 10K I run like... I don't know what accent he's got. I'm just making one up.
1: But he's Could got it. So not, so not like
2: that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, nothing like that. That was Deacon Red. Very similar to Deacon Blue in many ways. Yeah. So, <laughs> but no, it is a it is a song song sung by somebody that's clearly out of puff.
1: Yeah, it really is. <laughs> um and at number forty three is Sold Me Down the River. Ah uh, in cumrag Cumraig, I don't even pronounce it's Welsh. Y N cumraiger yeah. something. By the alarm. Yeah. "You two light. I yeah. this as. Yeah. But as you've rightly noted, weirdly channeling some Robert Palmer. I I thought that. I'm glad yeah, if you got that
2: then. I thought I was imagining it, but no. And then, then I thought why would I imagine Robert Palmer? You know, it's not something I
1: do. <laughs> No, I mean, I had a, yeah, you know, I had a small state where I was being haunted by a pigeon who kept singing it at me. But <laughs> you know, these things happen. We all go through our strange episodes in life. Um <laughs> um, number forty-five is Omi Canto, which means "Hear my voice," I'm presuming, or it's Omi yeah. Canto, "Hear my voice" by Gloria Estefan. who won't go away.
2: Yeah, sounds exactly as you expected to sound. She looked bored in that video, though, didn't she?
1: Yeah, she did. And totally bored, suited for where she was. Yes,
2: absolutely. And I thought that the title of that song sounds like a Cockney welcome. <laughs> <Oy> me Canto, <laughs>
1: Omi oh, oh, little Canto, <laughs>
2: <laughs> you dirty Canto. <laughs> So maybe it is maybe Gloria Estefan is is Gloria you know bit of yeah you know, oh, all right all right oi 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 me canto <laughs> when he, Gary does a cockney accent now and again he does when boy, he remembers uh, his roots <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh,
1: number 55 is regina
2: by sugar cubes, uh, hooting Icelandic living department store <laughs> mannequins. Just,
1: I thought this sounded like a shit cure song. It, exactly right, exactly, exactly. That's what, what I, I, thought. I thought. I listened to it. I went, yeah. oh, this is just someone did the cure and did it badly. If someone got those, you know those bicycle
2: honking horns, you get if someone <laughs> gave those to the cure and said make a song, and they just went. Ah, ah, ah. That's what you get. You get this song. It's really weird,
1: and they should never,
2: never let that guy ever sing another song again. For oh God, no! Life. That
1: bit where he talks about his sweaty armpits. I was like, oh, no, oh, no, I don't like this. No, no, no it's no. not good. No, no. In um, at number fifty-seven, I thought <laughs> these were well gone. Name a number by Curiosity Killed the Cat. So I thought <laughs> you, these were
2: you, done. <laughs> the smugometer graphic there is brilliant. You put in, yes, it's, it's so smug. It smugged me out the room. I was like, <laughs> yeah. yeah.
1: Smug me right off. I did my
2: computer reset itself. It was like it just like no, no, too smug for too smug for the MacBook Pro.
1: That no, <laughs> yeah, yeah, can't, can't have that. Well, no, Macs are quite smug out there, but um yeah, this uh, name and number. It I smugged remember a Mac. That's yeah. how smug it is. <laughs> it's like oh, good lord. Bend Code on, red code red on the smogometer it made me angry i wanted to slap the i was trying to
2: slap my monitor like god his stupid cat knock his cap off i don't like it
1: (laughs) Uh, oh i wish he was a cat yeah yeah i'm curious about something kind of (laughs) anyway number 63 is hanging tough by new kids on the block, <laughs>
2: uh, the vanguard of the era of the boy bands is upon us.
1: Yeah, well, we've been getting out because we've had Bros and Brother Beyond and these kind of. And we, what was that one we saw last week? Yeah, yeah, there was. I got them. What were they called? Um, the other week. I can't remember now. Yeah, there was three of them. The th-
2: three that came out of the not on the mold from the stock <laughs> equipment. Yeah. But th- this is the beginning of the take Probably. that era type boy bands. Yeah, so this yeah, is where yeah. it starts to sort of they've they've they've, they've somehow
1: evolved. <laughs> they found a found the five piece formula. One type of guy for every type of young girl out there.
2: Yep, exactly. Yeah, they found but the marketing formula, or something. They discovered it, and this one had Donny Wahlberg in, of course, and his brother briefly, Mark Wahlberg. And
1: Mark Wahlberg, as we know, is the you know famous actor now. Well, Donny Wahlberg was in Saw too. Was, oh, of course he was. Yeah, so they're both. He's, know, an, he's an actor as well. He's in. Yeah, I think yeah. he's in the Blue Bloods and stuff, isn't he? So which one was?
2: Um, which one became Marky Mark? Was that Mark Wahlberg? I guess that's Mark, Mark Wahlberg. Mark, yeah, and the Funky yeah, yeah. Bunch, yeah, that yeah. Awesome. I ain't good either. No, um, I, I remember this song more for it fi- appearing in the High Scott episode of the regular show, and that's yeah. why I remember it. So, well, it's no bad thing if the regular show is brilliant, and that's a pretty it funny is. episode. So,
1: there's a bit in it, there's a line in it going like they say something about come and do the dance, but don't you know, you'll be all right, it won't take long or something. I was like,
2: yeah, yeah.
1: This song didn't take very long to write. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> no, no, it didn't. Anyway, no, it number did eighty-five not. is WFL, wrote for Luck by the Happy Mondays. Uh, I'd forgotten all about this song, and then I realised that I, I really, I actually really like this. This is the one Happy Mondays track that I've got a, lot, a bit of time for. It sounds because it, it's really low key. It's like it's totally odd. And I like his lyrics, and he's got some clever, little, clever little couplets and lines in there, which I quite like as well. And it's odd to see Sean Ryder back then. To uh, if you watch Celebrity Gogglebox, something now, you yeah, know, if, yeah, if it's <laughs> gotcha. age, obviously it's thirty years ago. We've all changed. We, we look completely different, but yeah, just, you know, when you, yeah, it's just odd. But anyhow, I quite like this. It's it, all right. Yeah, it's
2: just it's. Uh, <laughs> it sounds like it was put together by an eight-year-old with a Casio. It probably was, probably. Um, but it's very, it is very understated for Happy Mondays track. But I don't think that any of them will have any
1: memory of doing that. No, probably not. No, no. But <laughs> it is low but, key, right? Uh, yeah, it is. And the kind of video has kind of got this sort of real rough and ready feel to it as well, hasn't it? It's like in some club or somebody's just dancing in amongst a big crowd of people. And yeah, yeah, yeah. He he didn't know where he was. So you can. No, I don't. <laughs> he's got a clue where he it. is
2: or what he's doing. <laughs> no, he <hasn't. laughs> you can see it in the video, his mind is elsewhere. In that video, he's gone.
1: Yeah. yeah. You know, <laughs> I quite like the line in it. What's the line? Some of the lines of you took, used to talk the truth, but th- then you got clever.
2: I like that line. He's not there in good. that video, you know. He's
1: just—he's <laughs> he's... not. But when he wrote that line, that's a good line.
2: He walks among us. I grant you. <laughs> <laughs> <But> uh, <laughs> just What he is, I don't know. He's a projection of something. I think. Save your ease till you see his face. I think that's the emergency—the um, emergency version of him. That's the—that's the emergency rider. It's just like a hologram appears when Sean Ryder's totally out of action. That's the
1: emergency one. <laughs> The defense heads come in. Yeah. yeah. Um, right. 17th yeah. September, in at number 19, is Don't Let Me Down. Gently. Don't Let Me Down. Gently. Yeah. We have to Let Me Down. Da, 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 by the Wonderstuff. Yeah. 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 Uh, Poppy. Um, I like the flow of the lyrics and the chorus. It's one of the few of yeah. songs I've got a bit of time for. It's all right. It's all right. Armless right. enough. Yeah. Unlike this one, you number 31, You Keep It All In by The Beautiful South. Oof. I never liked them. Never, yeah, a, another mm-hmm. band that seemed to emanate smug vibes. I always got yeah, yeah. I agree like, with you. They, they, they always like to be too. They're seemingly too pleased with themselves. Look at the little clever sound we've written. Aren't we clever? Yeah, and they think there's
2: you no. Know, I think they think they're a lot better than they actually are. So yeah. I okay. don't like them.
1: No, I don't. Uh, number thirty-two. Blues from a gun. Jesus and Mary Chain. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Sounded like they'd nicked bits of other songs in this. There was, I'm sure, there's a little Depeche Mode sound in there at the start from
1: one of their songs. Quite possibly. To me it just sounded like more Jesus and Mary Chain.
2: Yeah, I'm not into it. You know, Blues from a Gun sounds like a cheesy title. I don't know. It's just yeah, yeah. if you like it, I guess you'll dig it. Like
1: <laughs> if if you're a Jesus and Mary Chain fan, you're gonna be you're gonna you're not gonna go no, you're gonna go yeah. And at number forty eight, other end of the spectrum, we have nothing but a good time, nineteen eighty nine by Poison.
2: I don't understand the re release. Nothing but a it's a good song. It's the only poison song I've got a lot of time for because it's, it's actually okay, pretty yeah. good. But it appears in the My Mom episode of The regular Show, which is one of my favourite <laughs> episodes of The Reggae Show ever, because yeah, so, it's, it's such a good sequence when he's just taking him to the cinema and he's giving him popcorn, and it's just brilliant. The whole setup is brilliant for that. But that side, I don't know why it's been released in 1989, nor could I find any reason for it being released. I could find nothing about it. Maybe in so a film
1: just, or something at the time. It must be something to do knows? with that. It must be. But I watched the video. When they leap off the stage at 55 seconds, it made me laugh out loud. 'Cause it's completely yeah. out of time with the music and slow-mo when they land <laughs> yeah. they look like they're about to fall over and it cuts away really quickly.
2: Yeah, I think I think way back in nineteen eighty eight we, we said the
1: same thing. I think things like have just, done. It's, the video ain't great. No, it's not. <laughs> uh number fifty one, Bring It On Down by Jesus Jones. Yeah. No. This is not this is not gonna be for you. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> this is one of them songs where, you know, like last week you were going, You're gonna hate this. I was thinking, Yeah, Graham's yeah. probably not gonna like this. Um, I don't mind it. However, I mean, I I do hold it accountable for because songs like this led to EMF's Unbelievable. I thought you liked that song. No, I don't like Unbelievable. I thought you did. It was your fate. You used to dance that in Gullivers all the time. (laughs) I don't think I did. (laughs) 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 I'll I'll, I'll invite you outside. For a glove slap <laughs> moment in a <the> moment, <laughs> if you besmirch my honor any further,
2: yeah, crappy. That yeah, song. I don't. I, that's I bracket it all in the same thing for me. It's lots of blue screen in that video,
1: annoyingly as well. There was twenty fourth September. Uh, in at number six is "Drama" exclamation mark by Erasure. Not a very strong single for them. That no, yeah, it's there. Didn't really go anywhere mm-hmm. or do anything.
2: No, it felt and this the chorus part sounds like Yazoo. It sounds like Yazoo, and they went, "We're not singing that." So they gave it to Eurasia, did it for Eurasia, because it sounds like a Yazoo chorus.
1: Yeah, yeah, I can see that.
2: It's got the same sort of Yazoo refrain. It's Yazuli. Lee, <laughs> say <laughs> <laughs> Yeah.
1: <laughs> In at number 12 is The
2: Sensual World by Kate Bush. There's only one Kate Bush. She does what Kate Bush does.
1: You <laughs> just went into a football <laughs> chant. <laughs> There's only one, one Kate Bush. Bush. <laughs> <laughs> We've got Kate Bush. Brilliant, brilliant
2: <laughs> Kate Bush. Anyway, um, she does what she does. This is a song from a good album. It's a good song of the same name. If you like Kate Bush, you'll dig it. If you don't, well, you won't like any Kate Bush.
1: Yeah, it's all right. It's pretty good. It's all right. Uh, unlike the next one, number 14, Sweet Surrender by Wet, <laughs> Wet, Wet, Wet. The Smogometer is back.
2: <laughs> Neenek, the return <laughs> of Neenek. I've been wondering when he was going to come back with his super long, bloody, crispy
1: <laughs> neck. Jumping down jumping down his massive what's it. A schmultzy weepy-eyed song about guff. Um, yeah. And
2: it sounds to me like it's it was written for someone else. it hints of Simply Bread in there for me. It, sound, it could this could be a Simply Bread song easily.
1: Well, if you listen to the bit of thirty seconds, it sounds exactly like for your eyes only.
2: Yeah, again, another there's definitely hints of that in there as
1: well. Yeah. You're right. I was yeah. like, that's yeah. that, that's that's something and it took me a little bit of singing on That's for your eyes only. you just snicked it. Yeah. Bloody I don't like it. it
2: smug no, knee neck Neck's as long and as knee-necky as ever in that video. is too many <laughs> Watsits down there for my liking.
1: It's been extra, extra, extra need.
2: Yeah, he has. It's just, no, he came back with a strong neck. Which would be like another
1: it. Simply Bread, uh, you know, <laughs> connection. You need it.
2: <laughs> oh, no. Knee-neck. Yes, it's need-neck. It's the <laughs> amalgamation of Simply Bread and wet, wet, wet. Wet bread. Nobody likes that. It's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think anyone wants any of those to be merged
1: <laughs> simply wet <laughs> part baked be their oven wouldn't it <laughs> part needed, or <laughs> <laughs> loaf it's the, uh, it's the rubbish Robocop <laughs> <laughs> part baked part needed. or oh
2: dough or bread all dough. Yeah. Old, the old dough Dobocop
1: uh, Dobocop <laughs> <laughs> Oh, dear. We got there in the end. Number 29, We Didn't Start the Fire by Billy Joel. We didn't, though. To be fair, we didn't, did we? We didn't start the fire. Uh, I know you didn't. (laughs) Uh, It's a list song, isn't it? There's just list songs. Yeah. R.E.M. had a list song. People have list songs. Yeah, they do. It's
2: quite a long list, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, Apparently, later, well, it's not apparently, there's an interview with Billy Joel where he he says that this is – the least favorite song he's ever written, um, and says, and it's actually he says it's he doesn't say it's his, he says it's his least favorite because it's the worst musical thing he's ever written because it's just he says it's just la 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 la, yeah, la, yeah. la la and you know it's not he doesn't consider that very musical which is fair enough because it's not it's not but you know, but he's come to hate it I think because a lot of people you know do Oi Billy do we we didn't start the fire oh, what about uptown tang- ch- girl catchy chorus though <laughs>
1: yeah yeah yeah.
2: We didn't start the fire, which
1: isn't. Yeah. Was do a, learned, is there a more modern version it's
2: of that? So with some kind of modernized
1: lyrics on it, I don't know. do Be careful what you wish for. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Uh, yeah.
1: And at number thirty-seven is "Road to Your Soul" by All About Eve. Yeah, the <laughs> video is interesting. Who knew Robin Hood was such a good guitarist? <laughs> I always thought it was Alan the God bless Robin Hood. <laughs> <laughs> in, in the Merry Man. I thought it was Alan the Dale. He was the. Um... Yeah, but clearly in that one, it's Robin, <laughs> it's
2: guiding, Robin his, uh, his guiding his. Is guiding his. You know, he's his um he's cart folksy, around. Isn't he? he's, lot,
1: yeah. I mean this is folk wagon.
2: Uh,
1: <laughs> this is the start of their tracks from their second album. So this is the first single from the second album, Scarlet and other stories. That mm. took took a more folksy style than the rockier sound of the first. Mm. I do like this track, but the rest of the album is not like this. It's much yeah. folksier. Um wow. and, like, and hey, not hey, much, diddle diddle, it's nonny nonny not quite hey folk, diddle diddle, it? but it's more it, if you liked, it's not quite Martha's Harbour, but it's more in the vein of softer tracks like Martha's Harbour and things like that. Okay. So I was a more of a bigger fan of the sort of more rockier tracks on the first album, Flowers in the Hair and In the Clouds and things like that. I mean, it's a good album, but it's not as good as the first. Oh, you go. Go. I'll take your Um it. Which I think always explained why he then buggered off after it to go play rock with the Sisters of Mercy.
2: Well, did he, though? Or did he have to go on, you
1: know, Bats the Nottingham Forest? <laughs> and no. <laughs> to become the hooded man again. He, had to, yeah, exactly. he, did have, he did have to get the okay from Hearn the Hunter before he could go play with <laughs> the Sisters of Mercy. Well, but at this point, Hearn the Hunter was Hernia the Hunter because he, you know, he'd, he'd stretched his groin. <laughs> Absolutely. He'd got a right rip in the clan ads. A, a, a,
2: gro- <laughs> a groinal stretch in the clanads.
1: Oh. <laughs> That's not going to heal quick.
2: No, that's uh, that's why they're together. We. It's like oh, because they have to. They have to hold him up. <laughs> no lunging
1: for you. No, no, not. To, uh, no. <laughs> number fifty four is "Secrets" by the Primitives. Yeah, sounds exactly like Primitives. It does. Yes, it does. Number sixty nine is "Crossroads" by Tracy
2: Chapman. I listened to it and I don't. It's all right, but I don't remember it at all. I remember Tracy Chapman for the one everyone. The one's everyone yeah, remembers, I, but I don't. I, I, don't I, really I do remember, remember that.
1: this, but i just put a note. It's from the time when female artists sounded individual rather than songs in the key of vowels that we have yeah.
2: these days. <laughs> yeah. I, I, yes. Completely, 100% agree. They all sing the same way now. They yeah, all sing that them. same way. Yeah.
1: yeah. Songs in the key of vowel. Yeah. Uh, number 84 is Turn the Tide by Johnny Hates Jazz. <laughs> Song. <laughs> It's so
2: 80s, it's unbelievable. I mean, as soon as it starts, you're in the 80s, you're like, wow. And we're in the late <laughs> 80s, but it's wow. It's, it's 80s. It's a powerful 80s blast.
1: Uh, we're at the end of the 80s. So I think what they've just, they've just, they've just poured the 80s into a glass. They distilled the sound of the previous ten years and foisted it yeah. on the unsuspecting public and said, "Look, look what you've had for the last ten years." That's I know, i, I, I turned that off. I had a mullet, and I, I don't, I don't even have hair. <laughs> you don't.
2: That's true. But then again, I didn't say where the mullet was, so I'm just saying.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know how that would work, and I don't want to know. <laughs> Just number 85. It's best, best we move on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, George Best. Number 85. It's overrated by Kingdom Come. They're right,
2: <laughs> they're completely right. Yeah, saucy video there, wasn't it? With all the old leggy Ugh. laundry lady model person. Um, but I think there was a certain point when the band decided they were going to have a backlit sort of stage look and look like silhouettes, which probably sounded great on paper. Then the hair shadows, which are not a German Hank Marvin tribute band, sadly. Um, <laughs> the, the hair shadows, here they are. Um, <laughs> They uh, they began to show, and then when you see the video, you're like, no, that backlit big hair is never good in silhouette. It doesn't no. work. So. No,
1: no. Um, I thought he sounded like an Aldi Robert Plant. <laughs> it
2: totally is, not it? He's trying to channel Robert Plant, but he's getting more eggplant and he really is not great. It's,
1: it's not good, whatever it is. Wraps through our albums. 3rd of September, number six was Adiva with Adiva. Uh, very soulful singer. If you like Adiva, you'll like that kind of thing. Not, not
2: my jam, not I'm afraid.
1: Uh, and at number 35 was The Shade of Red by Redhead Kingpin and the
2: FBI. Big American hip-hop New Jack Swing Group, whatever that Ooh. means. It was where we need Gary to explain what New Jack Swing is. Um, so, I don't know, featured in the Wes Craven horror movie The People Under the Stairs, which must be out soon, I guess.
1: I'm guessing so, yeah. Uh, 10th of September, we had Aspects of Love straight at number one from the original Love cast changes
2: everything. <laughs> Except that song. <laughs>
1: yeah, it never changes. At number four was Dr. Feelgood. By Motley Crue.
2: Oh, Motley Crue. I just I can't bring myself to like Motley Crue. There's some um, tracks so. of those
1: I do like, and there's a lot yeah. I don't. This is one of the ones yeah. I like. I really like the. There's a nice right. rhythmic opening to this, which is pretty good. Yeah, the album. It's the album's okay, I guess. Yeah. to it's this okay. song, to this, the actual track "Doctor Feelgood," the sort of title track. There's a there's a nice rhythmic beginning to that, and it's you know "Doctor Feelgood" actually quite a decent track. Reminds me yeah. sort of something. Of, Mick Mars is actually a pretty decent guitarist. They're not
2: untalented people in there. This was actually also Vince Neil's last album with them until 1997. So he took a big gap. He did. Guessing to, guessing to you know, because at a certain point they were, they were like crazy drugs out, al- you know, alcohol, everything, yeah. bit of everything well, going in there. This was
1: their rehabilitation album, wasn't it? So
2: <laughs> they did one album after he got thinking probably. I saw an interview with the drummer who was saying that at a certain point they were, getting whiskey, and instead of drinking the whiskey, they would actually inject it because it would be more, they thought it would be getting into the system quicker, so they were <laughs> injecting neat whiskey.
1: <laughs> now they're they dead.
2: Think, good question. Good
1: question. Number 24 is Martika with Martika.
2: Yeah. She could have named that, couldn't she? Could have named it something better than that.
1: Well, she's just following the Adiva route, I guess. Yeah, just Toy
2: Soldiers would have been a good name for that.
1: It would have been, yeah. Just name it after your title track, yeah. yeah, um, yeah. Number 26 is Megatop Phoenix by Big Audio Dynamite.
2: Yeah, yeah. about like The Clash. Not, not, yeah, not my thing.
1: No, not the one you're thinking of. It's Mick Jones. <laughs> not Joe Frommer. <laughs> yeah. uh,
2: the other one. It's not my thing, though, Megatop Phoenix. Uh, I no, they it, were I'm never like, mine. Yeah, yeah. I
1: remember a um, friend of ours back, back then was buying this and trying to get me into him. And he could get me into a lot of things, but not this. I was like, no. no. No, it's not, I'm not like number thirty-five. Is "Wake Me When It's Over" by Faster Pussycat.
2: Yeah, please do with them. I didn't <laughs> like this at all. I didn't like the original variation of metal and this new blues influence nonsense. No, thanks.
1: No, no. I thought this. The intro. This sounded like the beginning of "In the Mouth of Madness."
2: Yeah, totally does it because that's the vibe they've gone for that kind of yeah. sound. But it's. No, I
1: mean, obviously, no. "In the Mouth of Madness" quite a bit later, but think, yeah, but this it just. <laughs> I think, and that's what just they hints of
2: blues, rock, MOR type stuff in there all the way, and that's you know not good.
1: Seventeenth uh, September, straight at number one was We Two R One Eurythmics. We talked about that, yeah, and at number two though they kept off Steel Wheels by the Rolling Stones.
2: Yeah, for some time. I mean, it's says their nineteenth British studio album, twenty first in America because they've recorded some US only ones, I guess. They
1: must have
2: done. So it's it's apparently their major comeback release. Um, I don't know whether I don't know you either like the Rolling Stones or you don't. Um, There's tracks I like by them, but I'm I'm not. I, I don't think I could listen to 21 albums of the Rolling Stones. And... <laughs>
1: no one could, not even the most ardent Rolling Stones fan.
2: But you know what follows after this would be the huge Steel Wheels tour, which did. Um, but it was a massive success. I mean, ridiculously successful across the world I mean, mega selling. So whatever.
1: True. It's what I find weird, though. Sort of thing is we're just doing this and talk about Rolling Stones with a big old comeback. They've just had that again, aren't they? Their the most recent yeah, album that's album, come out is, yeah. is supposedly, uh, you know, real return to form. <laughs> it's like, yeah, yeah. Yep. and uh, thirty-four years later, you got to uh, you got to admire that, uh, you know, commitment to the craft.
2: Yeah, I don't know what keeps them going. Strings, I think. I don't know what it is, but
1: <laughs> there ain't no strings on Mick Jagger. They're just yeah. it's too jaggy. In at number three is Pump by Aerosmith. We
2: well, we we mentioned this Love and Elevator. Pump is a glorious album by them and the 10th studio album as well. So I suppose it should be good because they should be getting better at it. It's on the Geffen label, which I think almost all of their stuff was exclusively. Obviously, it's got Love in an Elevator, The Other Side, What It Takes, which is a great song. Janie's got a gun. It's got some mega hits. They all enter the top 40 and also the Hot 100. Lots of big sales. Now, weirdly, this is... Um, it's tied for success with get a grip which was the album that came after this but it's not their biggest album their biggest album remained toys in the attic which came before all of them and which is a great album it has to be said because that's got some classic tracks on the dream on and things like that on there so mm. really good stuff now what can you say about aerosmith now, if you like aerosmith i mean i think now they're i think they're on the final tour ever and officially um so this is now but i think what well, steve tyler's now in his late 70s i think must it be must mid 70s
1: Again, I so, can't believe he's you know, still alive.
2: Yeah, it's a miracle. I mean, and don't get me wrong, they've put in such a great performance live, and I think, but they are reaching their, you know, their time is coming to an end when they, they're going to need to stop. Mm. Um, but, you know, they, they, while they're still capable of playing good music, and they are, but this is this is a great album. It's got great songs on it. It's a bit like, it's a bit me, it's a bit less chunky than Permanent Vacation. Permanent Vacation was a great album for them, but I think they felt that like it was a bit... A bit thick, a bit of a dense recording. Quite there's quite a lot on that. Quite a lot of overdubs. Quite a big sound. I think they scaled that back a little bit for Pump, so to give it a bit mm. more of a springier sound, and it kind of works. So good stuff, good stuff. I indeed. mean,
1: like I said, he's got Janie's got a gun on it, which is probably one of my favorite areas. Yeah, track they, when when they
2: do ballads and when they turn themselves. What it takes is a great ballad on there. But you've got they do those kind of songs or loving an elevator type songs really really well. I mean, they just think, you know, dude looks like a lady or better than that. Walk this way by Aerosmith. I mean, come on, mm. you know, they, they, they can turn in a good song when they need to. That's for sure.
1: Uh, number six is "Sleeping with the Past" by Elton John. His twenty-second studio album, it's geez, incredible, isn't it? Released on twenty-ninth August, it's his best-selling album in Denmark. <laughs> random. <laughs> it's very random. Features "Sacrifice" and "Healing Hands." Um, mm. Became his his first solo number one single in the UK. Yeah, that surprised me massively. I would thought. I'd have thought, thought he'd have had solo number One before then, but yeah, I thought not. I'm still standing maybe would have got to number one. Yeah, no, i have thought, but apparently not. But I just thought he was always
2: a solo act, <laughs>
0: uh,
2: yeah, I guess Did he sing with somebody else, was it John Elton and the Wheelies or something? I don't <laughs> know, <laughs>
0: maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a little old man. <laughs> <What
1: now? laughs> um, number 38 is Storms by Nancy Griffith. Never heard of her. Absolutely never heard of her. But I no. YouTube, YouTube, what this was, it's her eighth album. Not what I was expecting. Shade of Wilson Phillips, I thought, but weren't actually that bad. Yeah. Because <laughs> I was like, it's yeah. all right. That's yeah. a blast. I, think, I think
2: we've come across a couple of Nancy Griffith singles, haven't we,
1: before? Uh, but I, I, I honestly couldn't tell you. I could not tell you. None of them stuck in my head, so... And at number thirty nine is Home Loving Man by Roger Whittaker.
2: Aye, uh, Roger Whittaker. He sadly passed away on the thirteenth of September, twenty twenty three. So quite oh. recently, really. Oh, Roger. Yeah, he's done loads and loads and loads and loads and loads of albums in that yeah. kind of tradition <laughs> of those kind of people that did loads of albums like that. Yeah, he's, if he's he Roger Allen, like Roger
1: Whittaker, isn't he? Yeah,
2: completely. And he, he famous for his whistling, wasn't he? he did, and Durham Town was his, you know, mega hit back in the seventies yeah.
1: or whatever that was. Yeah, yeah.
2: Did he ever leave Durham Town? Just Because like, he's singing about leaving all the time. <laughs> I'm going to leave old no. Durham no, Town. No, because he's a
1: home-loving man. It's exactly. So,
2: so Where do you live? Uh, Durham. So you never did leave? No, I never left Durham Town. I just no, sort of I, I love my
1: life. home. I'm a home-loving yeah. man. I'm a home-loving man. <laughs> 24th September, in at number one, was Foreign Affair by Tina Turner. Yeah, all straight in. Yeah. These last three weeks been straight in. Yep. Yeah. Big, um, big, big hit that. Oh. Yeah. Uh, in at number four, Rhythm Nation 1814 by Janet Jackson. Well, answers the question that we had in the last episode, which was because we knew there was a song in the last
2: time. Last time we did the singles, yeah. there was a Janet Jackson, and we like, was this off Rhythm Nation? Yes, it was, and obviously there
1: it is. There you go. Yeah. So, quick question: you probably know more about it than I do in this kind of thing. You know, and I, I, I find it hard to sort of articulate. But did this album define that kind of sound?
2: Yeah, pretty much. That yeah. that
1: sort of staccato sort of funk beat, yeah
2: it did it, it it's very much so yeah the, the the jimmy jam and terry lewis the producers of that yes and they, they kind of and they did that sound very well yeah. so they kind of invented it and it, this is the one that solidifies it there's been a few of the tracks that have hinted at it
1: like paula abdul stuff electro bit. funk it's, i guess you'd call yeah. it electro
2: funk maybe or something like that paula abdul yeah absolutely now, what I didn't get from this was this was apparently exploring racism, poverty and substance abuse um, and issues of romance and other concepts of socio-political utopia. Apparently, I never got that from the dancing, really. Well, it's in the lyrics, I'm guessing. Yeah, it must be, it's all in the lyrics, all in the dance. But yeah, it, it's a, it is a a very good album. It's it's the production that really counts on that. It is so slick. And it's quite infectious, you know, the the tracks on it are good, but it does influence a hell of a lot when it comes to that kind of choreographed, electro-dance-funk-type sound that sort of permeates through the early 90s, really, and onwards. And beyond, I would say people like
1: hit me baby one more time and things like that yeah We're oh like, yeah yeah yeah, yeah. britney spears Stevens without a doubt and yeah like when
2: you, no doubt about it when they've you know the idea of them doing kind of very synchronized dances and things like that it, yeah. you can see where it's in even the boy band
1: starts to lean in on that so mm. number 13 is change the alarm <laughs> is this an album or a command Our's <laughs> <laughs> keeps beeping so i think i do need to change ours <laughs> um <laughs> both studio album by change the alarm i don't know uh it was released in September. Uh, who cares? It's change. Yeah. Sub U2. Uh, number 22 is Errol Flynn by de Moore. <laughs> I don't like him. <laughs> Diggy
2: Skaggs. The Diggy Skaggs band, yeah. <laughs> Diggy Scags. for those that are wondering why we mentioned, mentioned <laughs> them, was the name of an invented tramp, I believe. <laughs>
1: yeah, we made up back in the late, eight, early 90s. For some
2: reason. I can't remember why we did it now, But anyway, <laughs> Diggy Skaggs is the name of a tramp we invented and Yes, when we described what Diggy Skags looked like, we didn't actually know that the Dogs Demore existed, or we'd have just said, it looks like Dogs Demore. The
1: yeah, there you go. And sounds like them too. Number 31 is Heart Like a Sky by Spando Ballet. Sorry. Spando Ballet. Spando <laughs> <Spandau> Bullet, <laughs> Spando Bullets. <laughs> Spando Bullets. Um, yeah, it's the
2: sixth album from them, and I believe the last one.
1: Yeah. Um, so could we finally let him
2: near the coastline? No, no, it's still banned. You can't. It may, it may emit dangerous. that onk, that noise. Exactly. It's dangerous. It's dangerous. We've got enough coastal erosion. We don't need more of it. <laughs>
1: we don't. But my comment on this is just, you know, stop, stop. It's already dead. Just stop.
2: Yeah, totally.
1: Banned up You had your finished, time. You, you had your time. Yeah, <laughs> you
2: know, you've done your last pirouette thing is, his, last, his solo album after that was called Coastal Erosion, in brackets, It's Nothing to Do With Me. But it, we know that that's not true. You know, sorry, but you know you can't do it. Every time you sing, parts of Scarborough disappear.
1: Album after that was called Cliffside Collapse.
2: <laughs> exactly, yeah. The Red Cliffs of Dover, yeah.
1: <laughs> Are no longer there. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, they're the white ones now, yeah. It's yeah. nothing to do with me. Hadley, Hadley. He bleaches in white with his power voice.
1: We need to update Hadley's Law.
2: <laughs>
1: that man can bleach a rock.
2: Oh, anyway, there you
1: go. Bleach it raw. Um, <laughs> and at number 37, it's a Big Daddy thing by Big Daddy Kane. Gary's kind of thing, I
2: think, is the safest <laughs> option I can say, maybe. I don't know. Yeah,
1: full, second full length album by American rapper Big Daddy Kane. Not for me.
2: No, for probably me. great, but
1: who knows? Yeah. Number 41 is straight out of Compton,
2: NWA. Yeah. Now, surprise me because this came out well early. So, uh, this is—is is this how long it took to get released in the UK? <sighs>
1: don't know. It said it was a new release. Oh,
2: so, I don't know. But anyway, it's a, it's a, it's the seminal, you know.
1: Rap I mean, it might be the first album, time it's, it it might have been released previously, but didn't make the charts. And now it might have made the charts. Yeah,
2: possibly. I mean, it's but it's they've released the
1: track and they've released the singles. They've had singles yeah. out for a few now, so maybe it's, it's
2: famous for many many reasons. You know, F the police being a particularly famous track on there and all the brouhaha around that and. NWA's own notoriety, and it's- I mean, to you mean hug the police? You hug the police, um, yeah, exactly. That. What was it in the uh, favor of black hat? It was, uh, it was f the security guards, wasn't it? That was their yeah. version of
1: it. <laughs> number 45 yeah, and finally, just around out the month, number forty-five is cocked and loaded by the LA Guns. Ugh, God, that have you seen that cover? Unfortunately, yeah. Oh, Jesus. When I saw it, I was like, "Oh damn. It's, it's, spi- <laughs> it's Such a fine line, Spinal Tap.
2: Such a fine line. It is. I mean, you oh,
1: it's yeah. It's, For those the, who, yeah. who haven't seen this, it's a it's a gun. It's a very big gun, and a woman in very in, in what she got sort of stars. Blair chaps, chaps, leaning back on the sort of on the the uh, handle of the, handle gun, of the gun, yeah. gun, pulling the sort of the, cocking the gun, basically. She's leaning yeah. back and she's got a very small bra on and little else. Yeah. Yeah. The album's cocked called Cocked and Loaded. And <laughs> yeah.
2: I mean, it's like, it's like, it's drawn, but it's just like, it's just really cheesy. And I don't and, know. Just And the whole LA thing has, has
1: skulls for full stops.
2: Yeah, it's just
1: just, <laughs> it's just so mega cheese.
2: And I just, I didn't dig the LA guns and that just shows you how spinal tappy they really were.
1: Do you notice as well, they've, they've gone for that sort of uh, 80s style sort of faded landscape sort of logo across the lettering but they've yeah. used the same colour for the top and bottom.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's got kind of a horror movie vibe because of that. It?
1: Yeah, so yeah. It's, a, it's not very good, is it? And this is, the, the yeah. music wasn't very good. There yeah. we go. That's it. That's the music. You've had enough. We've had enough of that. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be back. We've still got three more games to get through. I wonder if they'll be any good. See you in a bit. Okay, we are back. Let's get into these last three games for this part. Um, and this is it. This is the last one, not the last game we'll have a look at, but this is the final game from Gavin Rayburn. Rayburn. Rayburn, 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 Rayburn. On the C64. This is the last one he does. This is Rally Cross Simulator for Codemasters. And for £2.99, you get, I think, four tracks to race on in different parts of the world. So, Mr. Rayburn did everything here, aside from the visuals, where he was co-credited with Bob Stevenson. That may be in the loading screen. I'm not sure. But maybe he did title screen, like I said, I don't know. Anyway, when the game loads, we get a decent title screen. It's got a nicely drawn car at the bottom. I think it's a Porsche. Did you think it was a Porsche? Maybe a Porsche of some description?
2: Yeah, something Um, like
1: that. I don't know what it is. Side on. But it's, it's nicely drawn. That may be Bob Stevenson bit. I don't know. There's some options at the top, though. Here, you can start a game you can there's no story by the way it's a racing game it's a budget racing game there's no story so don't worry about that you can start a game you can restart the level you're on which i'll come to in a bit you can play one or two players and you can change from joystick control to keyboard control that's it it's as far you know it's very simple it's a stab of the fire button gets us going and the first track loads in yeah unfortunately this is a multi-load i'm not quite sure why i think those tracks could have probably fit in memory i think they could But, you know, what do I know? But I think they probably could. It's not too bad, the loading on disc. It loads pretty quickly. I don't know why it's there, though, but I don't know what it's like on tape either. So So I played the disc version. Once loaded, we see that the game is a top-down affair with the racing scene directly from above And you probably instantly think if you know games over the last many years, you'll probably think of games like Micro Machines, games of that ilk. It is that kind of view. And this is because it's very much an early incarnation of that. So it's different to things like Super Sprint, single screen, because it scrolls around. The game takes up the majority of the screen. It's got some UI at the bottom, giving us our score and the time left. And they alternate in the same place. So it'll flick from score to time left. You have to finish the course in the time. I'd have just preferred the time being on screen at at all times. So I could Mm. see it. But you know that's just me. If you're going to give me something to go up against, make sure it's on screen at all times. There's there's some bars that slowly reduce, and they are for our fuel, water, and oil levels. Mm -hmm. Um, the number we have the number of points we've accumulated, which is weird. You know, I don't know that could have swapped with your score, or that could have been your score. I don't know. Um, Mm -hmm. and there are four icons for the power ups that you can buy. They are greyed out to start off with, and as you buy them, they will fill in. Once the flyby stops, it's going to get a little flyby, kind of almost dash like. It starts at the top right and then moves to where the sort of uh, game starts so like the beginning of a boulder dash level so it moves over there when it finishes we're directly over our car there's two cars at the starting grid you and an opponent either computer or other player and we get a countdown in the top left corner nice big countdown three two one it it sort of goes the countdown and then we get a bit of speech that says go we do quite nighty It was. The controls of the game are direction-based, so not the Mm, usual fire for speed and left and right for turn. No, here it's full eight-way directional control, so up makes you go up, left is left, and so on and so on. So, you know, you speed up as you're pushing that direction. Is this better than the normal turn and acceleration method? Sure, we can discuss that at the end. Anyway, to progress through the game, you need to complete three laps of each course in the time limit to progress to the next. Failure to do so will spell game over and back to the title screen. It's pretty much that simple. However, if you do make it to the next level, then... If you fail that, if you on the next level and you fail that one you can choose the second option on the on the starting screen to start on that level so that's quite good but you do so without any of the aids that you may have bought on the previous go so things might be trickier it's up to you to try and decide where you want to go the tracks themselves are littered with hindrances like oil slicks and water and rocks that hinder your progress and should you bump into the sides of the track just even a smidge you are halted and move back slightly before you can start again like we've seen in other um uh, sort of Codemasters style racing games this cost you precious seconds obviously because you're trying to race against the clock. In order to complete the three laps, you'll need to visit the gas station on each course. This is mandatory. Your fuel will not last the three laps. And if you run out and it's game over again, it is. To use these gas stations, you simply drive into the forecourt on them. Uh, which are slightly off track. You have to sort of. Uh, the thing is, it's quite annoying because it's a narrow, fairly narrow gap to fit through. If you clip the sort of area, just you know, the barrier going in, then it'll put you back out on the main track, and you're like, oh, I'm just losing. Especially if you're really low on fuel. At one point, I lost a race because I couldn't get into the bloody thing, and it moved me back, and then I ran out of fuel. Annoying. Once you're into the forecourt, there's a great shaded area you stop on that, and then it flicks to a shop menu. There's a nice bit of music here playing, and you get to choose some stuff. Time doesn't stop here though, so you've got to be quick in your choices you've got to be quick. Completing laps quickly gets you points, so you have to choose what to buy wisely. So you want to be fast in and out of here. You can fill up with fuel, water, or oil. These all They all cost the points that you're racking up as you're driving around doing stuff. Mm. But there are also bonus items to buy. There are bumpers, which allow you to collide with other cars on the track up to 20 times. Normally, you can only collide 10 times. There's a turbo that makes you go faster if you hold the fire button down. There are gas cans, which allow you to carry me off fuel. I think your fuel just goes down slower. Um, And finally, Mm. there are sticky wheels, which double your traction and stop you from skidding over oil, water, ice, etc. It's up to you how you spend your money, but I found that all I could really do was keep topping up on fuel and water and oil because they all ran out incredibly quickly. I don't know exactly what this car is, but I've never known a car guzzle fuel, water (laughs) uh, and oil as much as this car does crazy the courses themselves are short and reminiscent of the ones in that run the gauntlet game i thought we played recently Mm -hmm. a bit similar to that control of the car once mastered is tight i thought and you can fling it around corners with some rapidity once you get used to it there's a nice sense of weight to it as you skid out slightly when you turn a corner quickly sounds in the game are good there's an Uh, they've actually managed to do a non-annoying engine hum which i thought was all right i also like the fact that this decreases in volume when you go under tunnels smart touch Nice. Nice and atmospheric. Mm, I thought it was um, good. And there's a pleasing skid sound as you take hairpins at speed, like a little, burp, which is quite nice. The visuals are also pretty good. Nice sense of depth to the objects on the ground, good shading, use of shadows, and your car is well animated as it turns and spins around, and the scrolling is excellent. Smooth in every direction, really smooth, and keeps the player in the middle of the screen. And there's no raster glitches to be seen anywhere. This is clearly Mr. Rayburn has, he knows what he's doing with the C64 at this point, and everything production-wise, presentation-wise, is spot on. There are also movable hazards on the course as well. The second level has a train, a massive train <laughs> that stops mm. across the track, making you all wait for it. It was like, then it slowly slows <laughs> off mm. and you, but don't, but and it moves you off while you wait for it. Don't get caught by it, don't drive into it because it drags you off the screen. It's instant game over if you do. Also, try and get across the track quickly because there's always trains coming. Should one hit you, take your track. And game over. Annoying. The four levels on offer will take you through asphalt driving, jungles, and deserts. So there's two asphalt levels, I think. There's a jungle and uh, there's a desert level, but I only got to see the first two as the game first two, as the game has one problem, and that's what I said earlier. It is the overzealous shrinking of your fuel, water, mm. and oil. These yeah. go down at an alarming rate. And I mean that you need to make a stop for them every two laps. They do not refill between levels either. So you can just so you can just make it through to a level, only to run out immediately on the next one. Annoying. The yeah. fact that they all cost points means that you very rarely have enough to buy the upgrades. As just keeping the car running ate all my points up. I don't know if this is some sort of comment on modern inflation. I don't know. With these stops costing time, the second level with its train parking across the map, just meant that I kept failing here, despite restarting with full fuel, etc. cetera, if I, because I'd just be sat there waiting to do, and then while you're waiting, your fuel's going to... It's like, oh, for God's sake, I couldn't make it through. I tried and tried and tried. I was quite enjoying this. I don't know, maybe it was me. The combo of a narrow track, and and it's a bit of a windy track as well, so you remember, you've only got eight-way direction, mm. and the track moves not eight... It's not it doesn't always have eight ways, so it might go down at, like, say, 20-degree angle. And you've only got 45 or naught. You know, you're like, I, I don't know how to get through here properly. You're kind of skidding all over the shop, trying to get through this at any kind of speed. And in, and the smallest clip of the side sends you back, costs you time. Oh, it's just, I can get quite frustrating. The need to refuel, the train stops. I just kept running out of time. And it just led to me giving up in frustration, which was a bit of a pity because there is a lot to like here. I thought, we've talked about these kind of controls before. I don't mind the left, right and fire, but I thought the controls pretty well. I thought once I got mm. used to them, yeah, I thought it was pretty good. I thought it looked and sounded really good, and everything about it is actually pretty decent. I just don't know why they put the constant need to stop and refill the car. It just takes all the fun out of it. Who wants that? Yeah, unfortunately. <laughs> it's just boring. You don't do that in rallies. Just a note. No, just, just let me put, put more laps in. Five laps yeah. in the time limit. Yep. Uh, you know, Or lower the time limit. I've consumed they've only put it in sort of thing to lengthen the, you know, you're going to have to really struggle mm-hmm. to try and get through because I did. So it's one of those games where they've just made it arbitrarily, stupidly difficult to make it through. And, you know, that's mm-hmm. what I found anyway. And I, because of the nature of the clipping and the pushing back and the waiting and the trains and, oh, it's just annoying me. It just made me, you know, I was did a Lord Humongous and eventually just walked away from it. I couldn't help it. A bit of a mm-hmm. shame. It is a decent budget game, this. And I think if you bought yeah. this back then for three quid, you'd be more than happy with it and you'd throw your head at it time and time again to try and get around them through the four tracks. And there's a, you know, there's a decent lot. And like I said, the visuals are good. There's lots of stuff going on. And it's interesting to have those kind of things like trains and stuff going across that do thingy. Hmm. But that choice of fuel, water and oil just going down all the time, just annoying. Just kind of just, just ruined it a little bit for me. That's what I thought anyway. What about you?
2: Yeah, I've written pretty much exactly the same thing. Nice jaunty music bit of slowed in, but okay. Decent top-down racer in the tradition of those kind of things. I thought the graphics look really cool. And yeah. I thought the controls for once, I could, you know, I quite enjoyed playing it. I thought, oh, okay, this is good. And then you start then you hit the fuel thing and the water thing and you're like, why? Why did you do that? Yeah. All those little tricks, the sound trick where you go through the tunnels, the courses are quite varied, you know, interesting details on them and all those things. Just why did you do that one thing? But like you said, I think in reality they've done that to make, to make it so that the game feels a bit longer because I think you take them out and you'd be through with this in no time. Um, but yeah, there's, there's ways would. they could have made it better for that. But for three quid, all right. It's still a, a bit cheeky to do that, but it's a, it's a good package of game and the graphics and everything else sell it quite well. And it's one of the better ones of those, apart from that one thing, like you said. Other than that, I thought it was pretty good. And I think 80%, I don't know. I would have given it less purely because that because of that silly thing, which does actually make it more or less impossible. I think you'd have to. I don't know what crazy skills you'd need to be able to get around on that to to avoid you running that. Because I, I, same as you, I just couldn't. Um, mm. So I don't know if I was doing something
1: wrong or. or but. Well, I, I encountered
2: the same thing, and I tried it every which way I could, and there was I, there was simply seemed to be no way for me to be able to do yeah, it.
1: Yeah, because first thing I did was I bought a gas can. thought that'll make it go slower, but then yeah. I so then I filled my fuel up, and then I was like out of oil and water, and I was like, and I didn't grow enough points to put that. I was like, oh. if it was just fuel, not fuel, oil and water again, but having three things,
2: it's one of those games where there's a trainer available on the game on the crack version or whatever. Put the trainer on and just give yourself a little bit of a. It might make it it more enjoyable to play through it as opposed to just keep stopping and starting, stopping and starting. You might find it a bit more fun. But other than that, other than that one niggle, which is a big niggle, I suppose, really, it's a pretty enjoyable thing all said and done.
1: Yeah, yeah, there we go. Rally Cross sim a neat, a neat way for Mr Rayburn to sign off his C64 yeah. stuff and obviously Rally Cross sim he'll then go on to work on the dirt games dirt rally I think yeah. uh, and then we can go on to run you know playground studios and make all the Forza Horizon games yeah, so, yeah. he's got Pretty he's cool. got much driving ahead of him in his future from this point on I think he works on the tocker games as well on the PlayStation and PlayStation yeah, 2 I think. obviously knows his onions he really does <laughs> he throws his driving onions anyway there we go that's a uh, rally cross sim from codemasters it's all right to ruined by one thing let's move on see what we've got coming up next graham it's, it's another budget title it's uh it is. It's, it's time for you to enjoy the thrills of blue thunder hi uh, all right um so blue thunder was originally
2: by <laughs> Richard Wilcox software. Richard Wilcox software became Elite. That's the, so this is technically is. Elite's first game. Very, this mm-hmm. is the very first game they ever made. Very first game Richard Wilcox ever made. I guess the creator was Val Franco, though. So I think it must have, at some point been a Spectrum thing, and it is out on the other formats. But this came out in 1984 originally. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I said, it was you know Elite's technically Elite's first game. There's a few things to note, really. The, the blurb says: Blue Thunder. After skillfully piloting your jet copter. Through a bombardment of electronic storms, ground and sea-based missiles and attack from armoured barrage balloons, you thought you were safe to complete your mission. But no, yet another wave of deadly jet fighters appear from nowhere. They have only one objective, to eliminate you. Only your hyper-phased lasers and amazing arcade skill can keep you alive to complete a task that looks impossible. As the only survivor of a once mighty invasion force, you must penetrate deep beyond enemy lines. And from a remote island protected by a complex defensive screen, you must rescue your comrades and return them to the fleet. But they are held captive beside an unstable nuclear reactor, which you must first destroy. This is a mission for a jet copter, codename Blue Thunder. Okay. So it's stuff. nothing
1: to do with the TV show. Well,
2: no. Um... <laughs> So, but now I, did, I went back out, I thought, I'll go, I'll go back in time. Let me have a look at what, what they said about this in 1984, because I know what I think about it in 1989. <laughs> um, so it didn't get reviewed in Zap. Obviously, Zap didn't exist in 1984. No, it didn't. But according to Commodore user back in 1984, this, they said it had good graphics and was somewhat addictive. Okay, um, CNVG 1984 said, run-of-the-mill rescue Zap. But with some interesting twists in the gameplay. Okay. Mm-hmm. And a magazine I've never heard of called TV Gamer in 1984 said it's quite a nice game. Okay. <laughs> um, so Is I it? think it's I think it because it's called Blue Thunder, it must be based. And it's got a helicopter, therefore it must be based on that. Whether it's licensed officially or not, I doubt. But um, and a Blue Thunder was one of the super vehicle shows from from the 80s, Wolf. similar to Airwolf. This TV show featured a quasi-AH64 Apache gunship, although in fact it wasn't a gunship in the in the TV show. It was an Aero SA-341G Gazelle light helicopter made to look like an Apache gunship with blocky stuff. <laughs> um, in the movie, by the way, I don't know if you know this, in the movie Blood Thunder, he actually blows Blue Thunder up at the end. He, he destroys does, yeah. it. Yeah, he
1: walks away from it and blows, blows up. He's, he walks away from an explosion, yeah. if I remember rightly. Yeah, he does, yeah.
2: yeah. So, so, so anyway, but the TV series is kind of a riff on the whole, you know, vigilante military guy rights, wrongs and tackles groups of guys with a massively well-armed gunship distinctly advantage i think <laughs> advantage yeah, that. that can engage whisper yeah. mode someone's been cheating at a card game all you hear is <laughs> and the good <laughs> always rises from below us, some horizon line and appears yeah. you know and then you know you've got that famous you know front view of what's meant to look like a helicopter by the way that leads me neatly to the cover the original cover <laughs> for this is inexplicable <laughs> inexplic- i'm guessing that the person who drew that had never heard of helicopters or indeed airborne vehicles of any kind because what they've drawn there is no helicopter that I recognise. In fact, it looks <laughs> uh, like a kind of a balloon. With I don't know what that is.
1: It looks like something out of the uh, yellow submarine cartoon.
2: Yes. I think someone described helicopters to him. And <laughs> that's what he imagined they looked like. Yeah, And, and shaded. And, and covered in nondescript alien writing. It <laughs> looks like from V. It looks like it's got anyway. a big smile as well. It's, it's really weird. And the, the ships, the airplanes it's fighting against, they're all sorts of, scale no. wrong it's all <laughs> wrong it's all completely badly wrong anyway we'll put maybe put an image of that that's a that's a debate for another time anyway so the game then very much in the choplifter for apocalypse vein no way that's what it is nowhere near as good as either of those though and they not that they say they were great but this is a game it looks like an early 80s spectrum port because that's what it is it was also out on the atari 400 800 as well Oddly. Oddly, they all scroll right to left, then variants. The C sixty four is the only one that goes left to right. Is it? <laughs> Why I don't know. Yeah. Oh, it's weird. to go right to left. Weird. And also the Atari one has no rotor blades. It looks really weird when you fly that with no rotor blades. Just like a <laughs> like a bulb. Anyway. A
1: helicopter has no blades. <laughs> <laughs> it's not so much blue thunder that one we have the teal teal thunder
2: (laughs) yeah it's the aldi blue thunder yeah no rotor blades our (laughs) bun has no seeds (laughs) exactly Um, anyway once you pass the the title screen with its high res spectrum look and feel and deep exploration of the color blue you'll note the ui (laughs) which sits at the top of the title screen is also in the game so that ain't going to change to be fair it's resplendent in yellow blue and red giving you the current score high score number of helicopters or jet copters you have remaining amount of fuel and the number of men you have rescued. Clearly, we're outside the realms of equality and diversity. At this point, Blue Thunder rescues only men. (laughs) So, so you know, no no one else is getting rescued today. Anyway, start the game with a tap of the fire button, ensuring it's plugged into port two, and so begins your exploration of the blocky and blue and grey world of the game. The UI remains at the top. The remainder of the screen is given over to the game. You begin on the deck of some kind of warship, filling up with fuel before you head into the azure blue and cloud-filled skies. To prevent you from completing your mission, you will encounter enemy gun placements that will shoot at you, a variety of flying enemies now and again, including balloons that will drop bombs on you, inexplicably, and buildings, etc. You'll also encounter deadly clouds. <laughs> deadly clouds. Solid clouds. Solid helicopter-killing clouds. I just want just, to, uh, just for a moment, let's pause. Pause for <laughs> just a moment here. Clouds are, by definition, a visible aggregate of minute droplets of water or particles of ice, or a mixture of both, floating in the free air. So basically, tiny, tiny, tiny drops of water. It's no no bigger than the size of an amoeba. <laughs> if they were totally solid like icebergs, they'd fall from the sky and land on the ground, causing all sorts of damage. That, they would. that is gravity. I'm afraid that's gravity does that. So, And let's face it, if the aviation industry, it would be very different, wouldn't it, if they had to tackle skybergs? <laughs> Thankfully, they don't. But in this game, you do. So in this game, there's helicopter-destroying clouds. And that's really stupid, especially a game based on a futuristic war-based Helicopter of the future, so you can't fly through the clouds, which is really dumb. Yeah, really dumb.
1: Yep. Just turn the,
2: turn the sprite collision off for those. So all you need to do, Not, you know, maybe yeah, characters. Yeah, maybe they just couldn't. Anyway, you control your helicopter, jetcopter, in pretty much the same way as Chopper, Lifter, or Fort Apocalypse. Left and right will turn, pushing in those directions will move. Centralized by sort of moving to the right or to the left, and it will sort of go into a middle position, and you can hover, and you can also go up and down. Fire button shoots. You must essentially navigate the various blocky buildings and environments, shooting out the generators, and then thus allowing you to land and rescue the men who will, when you get to that bit, emphatically wave at you in their little pixel-like hands. Now, bear in mind, you've got to navigate the thunder into some really tiny spaces. (laughs) Call me old-fashioned, okay? But it seems to me that instead of flying a helicopter into a barn or into a very small building, just blow the building up. Just blow the whole building up. The whole damn building. You don't need to. You, know, you don't need to go inside. You don't often see military exercises where the gunship helicopters fly inside the buildings. It's very mm. difficult. Very difficult to do that. It's tiny spaces. You know, tight quarters prohibit roving. I think it's safe to say that's what probably the warning they get. Anyway, it is what it is. It's an 1984 game, isn't it? It looks like it. Sounds like it. Plays like it. It's in a time. When some of the rules for this kind of thing weren't probably quite figured out, maybe even some of the coding wasn't quite figured out. It has a single helicopter sprite, blue, of course. Nope, that it wasn't called Blue Thunder because it was blue. But okay, <laughs> with some simple animations, that I guess kind of work. When I say simple, two frame: on, off, rotor blade on, <laughs> rotor blade off. Do it. If you flick it between it fast, it it's, looks like it's flying.
1: It's the, it? it's the Mr. Miyagi design of rotor <laughs> <It is. laughs> blade. Rotoblade. Blade
2: on, blade, on. blade, blade off. off.
1: <laughs> He's
2: back. Um, in I suppose form. <laughs> it, do, it does look like a helicopter, which, and again, easily lifted from the sort of aforementioned chop It looks like the one from Chop-Lifter. Yeah, it does. The rest of the graphics are a blocky, badly drawn mass of horror. Big blocks, splodges oh. of green, clumps of grey. Maybe it's a building. Maybe, I don't know. Oddly, badly angled buildings that are later drawn aren't the buildings you're bombing so sometimes there's just like a really badly angled shack where the prisoners are in drawing kind of black outline it's really really it's not great it's not good and that's where they've been living for a while no wonder they want to get out uh so there's not not a lot of detail in it of course just about all you need to kind of look like something i guess maybe i don't know it's of their time i suppose it aligns more closer to the atari version of this in the sense of the blockiness but it's not as good as the spectrum or or the atari one the sound is as you'd expect, the kind of token chuff, chuff, chuff noises you type, you know, from the rotor blades, that kind of thing, booms, crashes. The user, the noise filter's getting a good workout for this. Mm-hmm. In 1984, this wasn't pushing any boundaries, was it really? And no. there's already better games out there. And Elite released Airwolf one year later. So it's probably a first game. And as a first game. I don't know. Is it derivative and dreary? Yes. But it's the tip of a spear for Elite. Maybe it's important for that reason. Clearly, it wasn't long before Elite were doing other better stuff. Maybe as a budget release in 1989, though, it's a pretty crap show, isn't it? I mean, would you want to release this? Are you proud of this to release it as a budget game? Go check this out. This is an early bit of nostalgia. No, I'm not sure there was ever an audience for this anyway. And so, if you're trying to engage the nostalgia drive and conjure up any feelings from yesterday with this, you're going to fail because people are going to look at this and go, "Wow, that was crap." Anyway. (laughs) You're not winning anyone over with this. 48%. I think it's stupidly high for a game like this. It's yes. two quid, all right, maybe, but it's ridiculously high for a game like this. Give it what it deserves. Oh, don't release it. That's probably the best thing. Leave it in the history books. You didn't this one didn't need to reappear. They've done it got blown up for a reason. You no, know, you could have done the same thing. Just blow it up. And the TV show lasted about 13 episodes, didn't it? Exactly, yeah. It's just Nah, NAF, not very good. You'd be upset if you got this. And even going back and looking at it from the nostalgia perspective, it ain't very good. So maybe it's you know It's it's got a tokenistic nod because it's the Elite's first game essentially. But other than that, not very good. What about you?
1: Mm, they're really pissing me off at the moment, Elite, with these these sort of budget releases because they've decided yeah, to cash really grabbing, release, crazy, Yeah, they've just it? decided to release anything on the on that Encore label. So we've had yeah. Turbo spree Cockatoni Wolf, Saboteur Two, Deep mm. Strike. It's like, I'm a stop. Yeah just Stop releasing this garbage. Yeah, is this an encore nobody wants? <laughs> nobody, yeah. No, nobody's sat here going, Yeah, more, more Blue <laughs> more, Thunder, pr- more, 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 more deep strike. Strike <laughs> <woo." laughs> rubbish um oh, god lord d- this d- d- i don't know why this was good this looked out of date in 1984 i think i yes, think because i, I had yeah, thought to myself did. what came out in 1984 we had all those games from activision yeah yeah, it. yeah absolutely you know, yeah uh, we had things like beachhead Park patrol yeah we had beachhead park patrol forbidden forest summer games yeah, yeah. You know, there's loads yeah. and loads of cracking games that came out uh, that yep. we'd looked at way, way, way back in episode zero, way, way yep. back. And this just this was bad then. It's bad now. It's a poor mm. game, even considering its 1984 heritage. And what, like, why is it called Blue Thunder? It has no... It's just... I will call it Blue Thunder. I'm sure, like, Paramount, whoever owns Blue Thunder won't notice. Um, <laughs> it's, it's got nothing <laughs> it to do with the film or the TV show, aside from having a helicopter in it. Clouds that mm. block bombs kill you. Homie missiles that can barely be avoided. Because they track with the scrolling yeah. it's just Stupid. annoying it's awful it was awful in 1984 and i know that because i had this on a turbo tape back then and remember thinking it was rubbish back then it got one play i think if i seem to remember rightly yeah. but it, oh, god it's awful and it was never loaded again and that's me back in like 1984 85 when i was first getting some games and stuff well for apocalypse was a turbo tape and that was way better than this yeah exactly but... i think i played airwolf more than i did this but well, airwolf is yeah. obviously later but but there was, I had this Turbo Tape, and it, I think it was. it's the Turbo Tape that did the rounds in, yeah, yeah, yeah. in Grimsby. Yeah, there was, was one like Turbo on that, Tape yeah. that had that had about 20, book 20 Rogers 30 on games. It, and, this, yeah, book Rogers, all it, that yeah. kind of stuff. So it was loads. Yeah. And I think it obviously got copied from someone did it, and then it just it, it did the rounds. And so all these early games, when you first got Commodore 64, it was just, here you go, I've got this tape. Tape this. Yeah, yeah. And you saw it, it did, for ages. Yeah. This was on there, I'm pretty sure of it, and it was bloody rubbish, and it shouldn't have been re-released. There's no point. There isn't two quid's worth of entertainment here. Not in 1989. No. No. Crap. (laughs) All right, calm down, and we'll move on to the next one. (laughs) And our final game for this week is Dominator. I have to say it in that voice. Dominator. Dominator to you and I. (laughs) Dominator. 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 Uh, This is from System 3 and the mind of Mark Kale himself. If he didn't say so himself. (laughs) He did. There's a story to this one. I'm going to read it to you straight from the manual. If I can read this, I made it very small. We at System 3 are continuing... In our endeavor to provide you, the game's player, with hours of exciting entertainment. This has nothing to do with the game. This is just Matt Kale waffling on. <laughs> that um, was hours, too of funny. Entertainment, hours of exciting entertainment through challenging imaginative gameplay. And the latest product of this endeavor is now at hand Dominator. <laughs> capitals and bold. Dominator yeah. is a shoot em up, but like all System 3 products, it is designed with a difference to create a new genre in this type of home computer software. <laughs> Okay, Okay, It's a four-load product. Dominator oozes dynamic arcade-style action. It has breathtaking graphics and animated gaming zones, which scroll both horizontally and vertically. You are the Dominator, the sole survivor of a crack air-fighting team called upon by fellow mankind to control and destroy an horrendous threat to Earth's existence. Duty compels you to venture inside and destroy the menace by obliterating its vital organs. We wish you good luck with our exciting new product. And look forward to entertaining you long into the future, Mark Cale. Thanks, Mark. It's very good of you. Cheers, Mark. Yeah, Thanks. cheers, Mark. Cheers. Mark cheers. Kale, everyone. <laughs> Mark, Mark Kale. <laughs> Zero is. week. Um, Mark Kale. <laughs> the, the game itself, the story for itself, again, th- this has to be read. I'm going to read this. Shrouded by a veil of secrecy, a latent vacuum in the cosmos was to give rise to the dawning of a new era. Isn't the whole cosmos a vacuum? <laughs> I don't no. know. Oh, the new, that's no, the no, It said, gave rise to a dawning of a new, you know, the cosmos, whatever, a latent, va- a latent vacuum, just a vax yeah. or a Dyson floating <laughs> in space somewhere. <laughs> uh, um, Shark. set your Set your mind to a uh, sci-fi nonsense. The words yeah. death and destruction needed reclassification as the <laughs> gradual metamorphosis of the ultimate <laughs> killing machine spelt out the fate of whole galaxies. It had begun to move. Okay. Millions of miles away lies Earth. Planet once wrenched into unwanted confrontation with an amoral and hideous alien race, wanting merely to expand its catalogue of occupied star systems. Men, women and children had fought the unwanted visitors. Only hope fired their existence, fueled by the bravery, determination, and sheer guts of Earth's crack defense fighter pilot team. Say crack. Crack. Yeah. It's in it's in speech Max, crack they pulled us through Went the cries on the streets when the visitors were eventually beaten and beaten it like well it is pulling through <laughs> beaten and beaten well compassionate <laughs> tears flowed for these men on earth mourned the closest ever annihilation of its population blood-stained lives entwined to rebuild with a passion and commitment never seen before that was then this is now only one hero pilot remains alive. He is the sole survivor of a unit that had been allowed to grow old and dwindle back into the earth for which he had fought so proud. <laughs> A false sense of security infiltrates the star system as no new blood contemplates the rigorous training and commitment of such a future. <laughs> this man is bitter. He shuns society for its broken promises. He yearns to lose himself in battle once again, reminiscing friends and times that had been, and relentlessly he polishes his beloved battle-weary spacecraft with the broken depiction, Dominator, scrawled along its side. In those right. earlier years, he was known as the Dominator. Dominator. <laughs> A title he he strived to keep whenever his vision was blurred by nostalgia. Warnings, SOSs and stories of total planet absorption had been banded around a terrified solar system for some time now, but had been conveniently overlooked by spineless bureaucratic so-called leaders. And now it was too late. This was incomprehensible. They're not kidding. This was immense. <laughs> its vast appetite was closing in on Earth and the putrid smell of partly digested nations hung ominously in space above a society what? that had refused to believe that its very existence could ever be in questioned. Who could fight? Who would dare go inside the mutant horror and battle against its bodily defense mechanisms to obliterate its sustaining organs to stop its crazed hunger stampede across the universe, it started an inquiring whisper, mounting in a crescendo of international hope and worship. Mankind needs you, the dominator. You need to fight. It needs to feed. <laughs> right. Okay. <laughs> I okay. had to read it all because I couldn't, I couldn't not. I'm sorry. I couldn't not. I hope you enjoyed that, listeners. <laughs> That's what's written in the manual. There's two pages of utter nonsense. Gibberish. Do you feel enthused now to play the Dominator? (laughs) I feel more confused than ever. How long has he been polishing his spaceship for? (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. It needs to feed. What is it? Who cares? Oh, how shiny is his spaceship with all that polish? <laughs> I don't know, but he's a bitter man. A bitter, bitter man. Why is there smells hanging around in space? I don't know. What is it? It's putrid smells of partly digested nations. What's that smell like? And why is it in space? Yeah, you can't have smells in space. There's nothing no. to carry the, the who, smell who smells Who smells Who smells it? I don't know. <laughs> it hung ominously in space, though. How? <laughs> <laughs> I... I, I could pick that apart for the rest of two hours, but I'm, I'm not going to. It's just nonsense. Aside from the mind of Mark Cale, who I think was on one, this was uh, produced by kidding. Jonathan Dean, coded by Jason H. Perkins, a gremlin stalwart was obviously jumped ship. He is. Uh, it's got graphics by Paul Doherty, Doc, and Hugh mm. Riley, and music by Matt Gray. This is a multi-load game, and as it loads, you get a nice loading screen of a spaceship flying and shooting at okay. stuff in space. Not Digested Nations, just some stuff. And there's a suitable dark tune from Mr. Grey, which is all right. Pretty decent. The music here is all right. I would say this is very typical Matt Matt Grey Yeah, totally. Heavy heavy on the thumpy. Yeah, very thumpy, yeah. Yeah. Uh, The title screen is another decent tune. Heavy on the thumpy in the credits, but little else. And that is one thing I thought was missing here. No high score table, Mm. which is odd for a shooter. Yes, isn't it? Because that's what this is. Different kind of game, remember, Agent? Different kind of game. (laughs) It's a different genre from a normal one. It's got scrolling in both directions. Anyway, after all that sci fi twaddle, what we have here is a combo of Lightforce and Salamander. And in fact, Salamander is the clear influence here. But, you know, you'll see how. there we go. Pressing fire gets into the game. At this point, you might be forgiven for thinking you are playing a follow-up to Light Force. I thought yeah, I was. Yeah, very similar. So this part is a vertically scrolling shooter where you control a wide ship. Too wide, if you ask me. One of the complaints that yes, about Light Force. too wide. And you need to shoot wave after wave of enemies as they come from both in front of you and behind. It's a shooter. It's a vertical scrolling shooter. Shoot ship. You make it through these, and if you can kill the end of level boss, then the, weirdly, your little dominator craft flies into the creature that you've just blown up. And the next level loads, and the game turned into a horizontal shooter with all the trappings that they have. So you have to navigate three levels of tight quarter shooting as waves of enemies assail you. In these parts, you can pick up power-ups for your ship, such as rear guns, lasers, blaster cannons, and auto-fire. You can also get extra speed by picking up icons with a T on them. As you move through the first level, you pick all these up and you need to destroy mid-level bosses as you progress. And the levels see you move from an organic alien level to a more factory metal type level with weird structures in the backgrounds. And the final level sees you flying what looks like a what looks through what looks like a giant mouth. There's this giant teeth sticking out from the walls, like you're going through a head or something. And your final boss is a giant brain. Sounds familiar. I'm pretty sure we fought a giant brain in other games. And that's it. Four levels of tough standard shooting. I don't think this is a new genre. Um it's a, it's no. a shooter. There's plenty to blast. The scrolling is smooth throughout, although there is a little raster flicker on the first level at times. The graphics are a mixed bag, I thought. some good designs at times, but others really garish and rather messy color usage. I don't think it sort of all fits fits together properly. And it's a weird mix. And they tried to do, I think, what the Catechist and Daenerys did in sort of mixing and what we saw a bit in that shoot, uh, IO, not IO, Phobia. They've tried to mix high res and medium res. Yes, and, and I don't—it's not quite worked as well here. Doesn't no. work as well. There's no in-game music as well, so it's just a shooting. So we get a lot of pew pew and explosions and the like, but there's nothing of any note really. Mm. It's all quite competent, but with the you know the recent slew we've seen of top quality side-scrolling shooters. This just doesn't hold up. The vertical scrolling opener is a misstep, in my opinion. I think it's a big misstep. Um, I think I would have rather had another horizontal level to blast through. The ship's too big in this section, and it just feels like an inferior light force. You know, If I want a vertical scrolling shooter, then I'll go play Terra Cresta or Slap Fight or Light Force. All are better than that level, all of them. It, like you said, it's too you're too big and the paths are too narrow and death is too uh, annoying. Once you're into the horizontal bits, the only thing I did like about that opening section is you could just hold fire for auto fire. That's the only yeah. thing I liked. And you fire from both sides. Like, pew, pew, pew. Oh, but once you're into the horizontal bits, you lose the auto fire, which you had in the previous level. So now you're back to hammering the fire button and slow fire until you pick up auto fire. It's like, why would it be in the body of a ship when you, they've clearly already got the technology to have auto fire yeah. on their ships? doesn't make sense. The rear blasters too. They're not rear guns. They swivel as you move back and forth, so they either shoot up and down or at a diagonal. I'd rather just have them fire backwards because there's stuff coming in behind me. Mm. And this feels annoying because as the change direction as you're moving, lining up, move, lining anything up with them is a pain. It's what we saw in uh, uh, Forgotten Worlds. It's yeah. that you know, it's pain in the ass. The laser is okay, I guess. The game also does that thing where death removes everything you had, and there's no levels of power to the upgrades to have them downgraded instead of just losing them. So you basically you get the weapon, they're fully powered, that's it. You die, everything's gone. And you just no time. I think one upgrade comes on. I know it feels. This feels like an attempt to make Salamander. Um, to me, that's mm. what it seems to feel like. It's like somewhere in the middle of our, our Salamander and our type, but comes nowhere close to that game in either feel or blasting or level design. It's twitchy. Yeah. The collision detection saw my shots not registering from time to time. And having shooting power-ups stop your bullets is a stupid inclusion. If shooting them yep. does nothing, this is taken from amelite but they forgot the part where in amelite you shoot them to. Change the power up, yeah. or like what we see in Swiv or things like that, where you shoot stuff to change what it is. This just has your bullet stopping and nothing happening. Stupid, stupid decision. You've got yeah. games like Armalite, catechist Salamander, R-Type, denaris There's a slew of budget shooters. There's that one that's Slayer. Uh, we've had loads of stuff. in the, We've had some really good vertical shmups on the market. Like I said, t- uh, uh, Terra Cresta, Slap Fight, Light Force. There's tons. This brings nothing new to the table. All that waffle and blurb in the in the thing is it, just nonsense. It's generally weaker than all of those. It feels pointless at this time in the C sixty four market. But some of those games are probably going to be on a budget label soon, if not already. Ten quid for this? Nah, it's serviceable at best. If you are if you were desperate, desperate for some horizontal scrolling or some blasting action, you didn't and you completed everything else and you wanted something else to play. Yeah, you could play this, but uh, you know, I think you put IO in there is better than this. Um, Zynapse. There's tons. There's loads that are better than this. I thought this was a bit of a disappointment. What did they give it in Zap? They gave it 75%. I think that's it. This is a six or seven out of 10. This is a 60-odd for me. Mm -hmm. It looks all right. But it's just been done before better and better and better time and time again. Ain't no dominator, that's for sure. What did you think? Big names attached to this,
2: wasn't there? System 3 and everything else. But it's got Mark Cale's classic BS streak all the way through it. So, all that guff you read out, yeah, it's just that's just all the sale, marketing sales spiel that, you know, Mark Hale famously pumped out of his bloody whatever orifice he was spouting it from. I mean, all right. And it's no denying the guy's enthusiasm for his products. And I get all that, you know, it's important that you do that. Fair enough, fair enough, fair play. But this game isn't doing anything very interesting, is it? It's a nice loading screen, decent music, like you say. Good start, actually. Mm-hmm. Decent title screen, nice and simple, missing things. But as you've said, but good enough. With music, i hints of Panther a little bit in there as well. So, it, but it's, you know, it's all good. It all sounds good. Level one, top down, like you say. Okay, graphics, some decent sprite work in there. Nice explosion sprites and animations and stuff like that. All the usual stuff. Just not very exciting or original in any way. No, It's just doing nothing original at all. In fact, it's doing mm-hmm. things that other games have done better. Yep. And then when it goes to the side-scrolling sections, which is obviously levels 2, 3, and 4, well, there's loads of games that do this better. Armalite being the key one here. Yeah. Let alone Armalite, Delta, Catkiss, yeah. R-Type, Nemesis, Salamander. Any of those are doing what this is trying to do better than this. Yep. So, again, what surprised me was the graphics for this, because I thought some of the graphics in the first level were okay, actually, and I thought well, if they carry that on, there might be some decent side you know, graphics in this. There might be some IO-style graphics, or, but they're mm. not. The graphics are actually pretty, like you said, a mixed bag, especially on these side-scrolling levels. So uh, was the key thing really there was it's not very exciting, so you go into blast, you get the extra weapons, you shoot backwards and upwards and downwards, and all the things you might expect to do. But the graphics in the backgrounds not very detailed; they're not very good, and are generally not as good as the sprites in the first level. Yeah. Then you get to the set, level three, more side-scrolling, okay graphics again, but nothing exciting, nothing different, more of the same, more hints of our type in that level as well, very much the, so, yeah. some of the yeah, enemy yeah. types in it. But we've seen it before in our type Catechis, um, and Daenerys. Loads of them, and then when it comes to the final level, you, you're actually inside the monster all the way through. So like you shoot the heart. they want on a yeah, yeah. levels, and and the, the the scenery is destructible in some of this, which is interesting. So there is a bit of that, mm. um, but you know, there's you know, you can't make any mistakes at this point. One mistake, it's really tight quarters. One mistake, you're dead. It's very punishing. Um, it's not an easy game. And then when by the time you get to the end and you're shooting at the brain thing, the the, the bosses at the end are actually just alarmingly simple as well. Is not they don't require to shoot them in multi parts. Just shoot them until they die. Yeah. And then the ending of this is rubbish, isn't it? The ending, the words, shit art." scroll onto the screen, scroll off, end of game. That's it, after all that. That's it.
1: But after all that sci-fi nonsense in the blur, you'd, th- you'd, th- you'd have thought you'd have had something. Exactly, which means that it's, it just doesn't
2: live up to the expectation of a System 3 game or anything that's been put in there. So, nah, nothing exciting. Three levels of a side-scrolling game that have been done better in every other side-scrolling game that we've played, including some of the ones with, you know, not as good as this and much lower price. Level one has been bettered by loads of other top-down games. This is doing nothing new. It's nothing new exciting. Music's good. Some of the graphics are quite nice, but some of them aren't. It's a bit hit and mix. For a game of this caliber, with the caliber of people involved, it doesn't feel like there was any passion in it. It doesn't feel like they cared. Whereas with Amalite, you felt that they really cared about that. Yeah. Um, this doesn't have that kind of feeling. It feels like Mark Cale really cared about the story, and I think he's desperately tried to wrap what is a very average game in some fancy packaging, but you can't hide it. You can't hide average by trying to put a load of BS around it. We've seen it time and time again through the life of this podcast. Mm. Average games, when they when you get to the game itself, never mind all the BS you put in the manual, when you get to the game itself, if you're not doing anything interesting, it's very quickly switched off. This is boring. This is a boring game. Surprise me from from System 3. They've got other stuff coming out later, which will be better than this, but it's a bit of a, a bit of a stain on there. Otherwise, what has been so far, a reasonably good rec- track record, isn't it? Mm.
1: So... Was it any better on not the
2: Amiga, do you know? It- uh, I don't remember it on the Amiga, which tells me that it probably was un- not memorable. But you've got such strong contenders on the Amiga. You're not far off where you've got Turrican, Turrican 2 on the Amiga. You've got to be doing something pretty amazing to be good as good as those. Mm. So, no, it's just, it's the problem with this. I mean, even if you think Xenon 2 isn't far, uh, far off on the Amiga, that's a better top-down shooter than anything that's on there. And the, oh, all yeah. the other side-scrolling, our type's better on the Amiga than the, any of the side-scrolling bits that are saw. So, on the C sixty four version, so I can only imagine the Amiga versions are much better. Mm. And then of course you've got Project X coming out in the Amiga as well, of course, which kind of you know stomps its foot on them all really, even though it is stupidly hard. So it's not seventy five percent. It's not that's you know, it's not three quarters good. If anything, I would be putting this around the fifty to sixty mark. Yeah. It's not it's it's graphics and its sound carry it, but nothing else is interesting in it. It's very average, if not a tad, boring. And the ending is rubbish for the amount of guff you have to go through. So nope, nope. Sorry, Dominator, but you're, uh, you know, Dominate Off for me. <laughs>
1: yeah. Dominate on, Dominate Off. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah, it's, service, it's like serviceable at best if you've run out of shooters. Yeah, but 10 quid's a lot for this, you know. I've seen better budget games, so. That's what I mean. That Slayer, I think, was better and stuff like that. Yeah. And there was that other one where you had to click the weird letters and you didn't know what they did and went yeah, on forever. There's been
2: a few that have just been a bit better than this in the budget. You, you could cut all your budget games together that are, top down and side scrolling it would still cost you less to buy those and you'd have more fun than buying this one game that's trying to do all of those things so yeah
1: absolutely and iridium's budget by now as well you yeah. know he's not yeah. a better shooter yeah yeah absolutely yeah yeah There we go. That's it. That's that's that. That's Dominator. That's your last game for this week. So what exactly did we look at this week? Well, we looked at the New Zealand story, which we thought was all right. Perfectly decent, serviceable, and pretty decent conversion from the arcade that we didn't know. Tom and Jerry, which we did not like. Um you no. particularly did not like that. Um No, I did not. Hostages, which was pretty good. Pretty good. Mm. Another one of those weird ones that come along and you think, what's this? And you play it and you're like, oh, that's actually quite interesting. Rallycross Sim, ruined by one stupid sort of mechanic. Uh, yep. Blue Thunder shouldn't have really been, ever been re-released. It's pointless and stupid. And It should have stayed 1984. And Dominator, which is just the worst thing you can put at a shooter, isn't it? A bit dull. Yeah. It's not as dull as Menace. No. It's not as dull as that. But it is dull. Dominate, dominate. Dullinator. And that's it. That's it for this week. What have we got next week to round off uh, September? Well, we've got Rainbow Islands, the other cutesy okay. platformer. You how that goes. Yeah. We've got uh, Douglas Quaid. Douglas Quaid. No, Douglas... What's his name? Quaid. <laughs> Dennis Quaid. <laughs> <laughs> Dennis Quaid in Inner Space. I don't think it is to do with a, uh, Dennis Quaid. Might be. Who knows? No. Uh, I think we've got another shooter, Gemini Wings. I That's another another shooter. Yeah, that's another shooter. It is, um, yeah. And then we have uh, our trip to Hollywood, the second half of next week where we play Red Heat, mm. The Running Man, Ooh. and License to Kill. Ah. <laughs> all that and more. Well, all that and more. and we'll see what else comes out next week. That's what we're looking at. So, yeah, if you want to support the podcast, you can do that. Uh, I'll say it here at the end. You can do that if you wish to join us. At the moment, everyone's playing Citadel to see uh, what high scores they can get. Um, but you can do that. Come and join us. If you want to join us, that's uh, patreon.com forward slash to the Past. And you can get the uh, episodes advert free and early on a Friday evening uh, rather than the Monday morning. You can have that. Um, it costs probably about the price of a sandwich these days. And you can join us there, like I said, patreon.com forward slash Zap to the Past. You can ask us questions for um, Ask the Podcast. And you can also get involved. We're coming towards the end of the year, so we'll be asking our patrons to give us their highlights and lowlights of the of 1989. So if you want to be involved in that, get on on there. We'll be happy to air your views. But otherwise, you can buy us a coffee or something, whatever it is, at ko-fi.com forward slash Zap to the Past. Um, or tweet, join in, give us a message. It's all good. I think that's about it for this week. First half of September. You got anything you wish to add, Graham?
2: No. No, no. I mean that's been a, you know, an interesting September, I guess like you say, but now let's see what uh, see what else is coming down the pipe.
1: Indeed. All right. So, uh, I think on that note we will go. We'll leave you the rest of your day. Hope you have a good week and we'll see you again next week. And as ever, I have been Adrian Mills. And I have been Graeme Raddings. And we have been Zap to the Past. And we'll see you again, as I said, next week. I can't say it enough. Next week. We're we'll back next week. Next week. Bye. See you next week.
2: Thank you for listening to the Zap to the Past podcast.